Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and Andy's. Welcome to Warrior Death Show's second stream. It's our stream for people who want to give us money, but not too much because they fear what we're going to do with it. Anyways, joining me from across the pond, as always, but close to my heart, anime aficionado and all-around good lad, the Soul Doctor. Hello, friends. Welcome to Watery Death Show. Thank you for joining us. I hope everybody's doing well, is safe, and, uh, and you know, healthy as they can be. Also, I think if we take nothing else away from these episodes, we should remember that a cube that can't fly is just a cube. <laughs> or a Vinley failed ripoff of Wheatley from Portal 2. <laughs> he does, I, you know I'm what, so, I hadn't considered I'm, that, but... Uh, but he definitely bears some visual similarity to... If you if you literally turned him into a spheroid object and give him some handles, it would literally be Wheatley. Which, of course... Personality-wise, I feel this is, is an unfair comparison, but visually, I think it's dead on. Oh, it's, it's, it's the visuals, but that does, of course, mean, as far as I'm concerned, if we do get an English dub of this show, we need to have Stephen March and voice him. <laughs> Probably. Because I can totally would. see him doing the kind of rapid-fire dialogue that uh, the cube has. But we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here, of course. I'm Shaden, by the way, and we're here today to talk about the first five episodes of Vivi Flori Eye's song. Had a case of Flori Eye once, but the optician saw it right out. But keep going. <laughs> Sorry, I had, to, go, I had to get the I had to get that joke out of me early because I knew if I made it later it'd just be even more excruciating. You know what to expect from us at this point. I'm just front loading the Dude, awful really. I well it's in it's on brand, but also if anyone out there can phonetically put in chat how to pronounce this name uh, I'd be most grateful <laughs> because I just look at it and go, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Not going to do it. I just call it, I'll call it Vivi and that's it. I just copy and paste the F word. No, not that one. <laughs> the other one, <laughs> the title. Well, I- <clears throat> I mean, you're just going to mispronounce it as fluoride instead, and it's going to yes. be a show about like the government trying to control you through drinking water. Oh, great. Mm, lovely. That's that's taking us back in time, but this show takes us forward in time, so <laughs> thankfully. And yet it's still remarkably old school in a number of ways, but just, yeah. just, just you wait. Just you wait, ladies, gentlemen, and so we're going to get to that real soon. So yeah, we're here today to talk about Vivi Flora I, the first five episodes, which will come out fairly recently. Uh, we're going through a couple of different subjects. We're going to actually provide, um, for once, a high-level overview of how we feel about the show, without getting into specifics or spoilers, and also to, uh, as Doc put it off-cast, tee up some actual uh, you know, talking points without going into them. Uh, we're going to talk about creators, we're going to go into patron questions. Uh, speaking of which, this show would not be possible without the support of our lovely patrons, who not only literally picked the show for us to cover, for which I thank you, uh, but also in turn financially support us um, through their subscriptions. And if you're thinking to yourself listening at home, hey, you know what? I like that British guy, and I like that American guy, and I think they do good things together. I would say, maybe you're thinking of a different podcast, but if you're thinking of us, then do feel free to pop over to patreon.com forward slash warriordeshow, get yourself on the 2 free or $5 tiers, you get increasing rewards of increasing value as you increase your revenue to us increasingly. You know? Got all the eyes in there. Um, there is a lot to talk about with this uh, show, and I... I'm actually really excited because this is my, this is my, uh, how do you put it? This is my yard. This is like Your my wheelhouse. Place. Yeah. My yeah. wheelhouse. Yes. This is, this is like some stuff that I've historically been really, really interested in. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to talking about it, even though I do have some concerns, but <laughs> we'll get to those in due course. So, uh, Doc, actually, I suppose we could probably start by going straight into our high level overview because this is the second stream format, which means there's no plot summary, no plot. Thank God. <laughs> we, um, 
we basically just, uh, you know, gonna go straight to talking points. We will provide context as we go where appropriate. Spoilers are ahead after that, you know, we've gone through our high-level overview. But other than that, uh, do buckle up. There's lots to discuss. So, uh, high-level thoughts at this point. Yeah. What's, what's our initial impression? Doc, I'm gonna give the floor to you, actually. Thank you. Um, and so, yeah, after this, too, we'll be talking a fair bit about creatives before we get into patron questions. But I wanted to... I thought it would be good for us to like kind of set the table as to what we'll be talking about um, and how we feel about the show so that you listeners and viewers out there can kind of know a little bit what you're in for. Uh, just in case we don't touch on everything in the patron questions, that section can tend to get lengthy, but there are other things we want to talk about. And this is not me complaining about the length of the section. I'm thrilled to, to, to bits, tickled beyond belief that we can spend so long talking about and answering questions that people have for us about the show. But this is just for you guys. So um, how do I feel about the show? So I am very positive on it overall. I think that it is the kind of, um, you know, I maybe cerebral. Cerebral, I, I'm looking for a word close to it that maybe is not quite so hard, but I think this is a... More of high a, concept, yeah, high concept, kind of thinky sort of sci-fi mm-hmm. that anime historically has been quite good at, although in recent decades hasn't given us as much of. But I think I'm kind of pretty satisfied over the last year or two that, like, a couple, you know, I, I don't need to be inundated with these things. If I get like a few of them a year that are sci-fi or sci-fi mm. adjacent, um, like I consider, for instance. Dinazenon, like it's not hard sci-fi by any means, but I think it's sort of sci-fi adjacent enough, um, at least you know in the visual department. So, so yeah, I think I'm very happy that we're getting this sort of show. Um, it, when you said it feels old school, I know you were talking about like in terms of written science fiction books, but it also makes me think of like decades gone by in anime when this kind of show was getting made seemingly more frequently. So really happy about that. As far as the production itself, I mean, I think it's really good. Uh, I'm going to have very positive things to say about the structure of the show, which I think is a big hook for me. Um, And then some of the themes, you know, I don't want to give away necessarily what I think those are. I think that there are quite a few thematic threads that I noticed um and i think that the show has done a great job of oftentimes anime will just touch on a theme mm-hmm. and it may touch on it again um but in a similar fashion this is not just touching on themes like the themes that are in this show are interwoven throughout its dna and it comes back to them again and again in different and surprising ways and i really like that about the show I like Vivi as a character very much, very into her, interested in her journey, rooting for her. And, you know, Richard Eisenbeis wrote, uh, I think that's how you pronounce Richard's surname, but forgive me. Uh, it, 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 it is now, say. I mean, because that's, that, that's a cool sounding surname, <laughs> yes. Eisenbeis. Uh-huh. Um, wrote for Kotaku East for a long time, um, writing reviews for Anime News Network on occasion. Now he's he's doing the weekly reviews of the show and... You know, the highlight for him was like the interplay between Matsumoto, the teddy bear AI, and Vivi. Oh, you, oh, you, oh, you mean Nanokuma? 
Yeah. Because they've yeah. got Monokuma. He, therefore, he is Nanokuma. <laughs> yes, exactly. Nanokuma. Um, and, and that's, I think, also an access point, like where you can kind of get into the show and it can be, it can be, it can counterbalance like the, the, the heavy thinking you know, that you might be doing and, and dealing with the high concepts. Like, there's some levity there. So, overall, overall, I think it's quite good. Shadon, uh, what do you think? Uh, well, I can give you my my TLDR answer, which is that um, if you think an anime, which was basically the offspring of Macross and uh, the video game Near Automata is your bag, then this will be the best thing you've ever seen. Um, and I certainly like the idea of that, but... I am overall positive on this show. I'm going to get that out there now. And Lord knows that we've done enough podcasts now where I'm always the grumpy curmudgeon who's just here like, you know, wasn't that great? Like that in the background. Um, I am positive on the show. I do agree with pretty much all of your points about like Vivi and Matsumoto, for example. Like they're interesting characters. Vivi is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think I think she's a great protagonist. Hey, I mama. love, Protect I her. love the concepts. <laughs> I love the concepts alone of a person or a character be they ai otherwise traveling forward through time but not in the sense of getting in an actual time machine or an equivalent and jumping forward but rather seeing things play out over the course of decades so we get to see mm-hmm. these societal drifts and shifts and all that yeah uh, cool. that's a great that's a great concept so i really really like that um and i also think that it's actually kind of genius that the show doesn't have like it's it's set for, like her, the protagonist is a theme park performer <laughs> which is really out there. Although, again, I made the near comparison. That's not incidental. There's a lot of stuff that I feel is cribbed visually, not in terms of ripoff, but more like homage or inspiration from near Automata or Automata, Tomato, Tomato, Automata, Tomato. You get my point. Uh, and Lord knows I'll be listing those as we go along. Um, so I have a lot of positive things to say. The music's great, the action's great, character design's great. Uh, I love the Space Hotel. The Space Hotel is my jam. I love it. Um, mm-hmm. However, however, this is the point where I just I put the brakes on. I think this show has some structural problems, shall we say. Um, I think that certain things happen that are not adequately explained, or they make assumptions of the audience or deliver their or deliver the actions in a certain cinematic way that I think doesn't so much undermine what's going on, but feels like it's not as good as it otherwise could have been. Hmm. Um, and the issue I have, though, is that I've spoken about this before when we've talked about things like Akadama Drive, where if a show only has presumptions and ambitions to do a certain thing and talk about certain things, and has no interest in delving into things that I otherwise would like to see, I'm in no position to complain about that, am I? You know? I don't I don't watch a sports show, for example, and say, where are the spaceships? Because lo and behold, <laughs> it's a sports show. Unless it's a sports show in space, but you get my point. And so I'm going to need your help on this as we go along, Dot, because I feel very conflicted because half of me thinks that I like the show, but I wish it was punching harder and higher and actually did really back up its premise a bit more, which I'll get into in more details later. But on the other hand, I'm just enraptured by the whole situation and... I think that it's a refreshingly unique setup for a protagonist, say, with her being a theme park for who's also turned to this kind of, like, uh, how shall I say, uh, interloper through time, like, you know, blessed mm-hmm. with knowledge, or curse of it, even. Um, there's some interesting contradictions central to the story as well that I find really neat, because we'll get into that specifics later, but 
it is one of those things, shows where you wrap your head around it a little bit. There's certain mysteries on it that are interesting. Um, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so basically, I'm I'm thumbs up on it, but with an asterisk, and I'm hoping that I can take the asterisk off by the end of it with your input as I go through my uh, my problems with the show. But again, these could be problems where I'm just simply approaching it from an angle it has no intention of dealing with, and in which case, fair enough. I can't criticise it for not wanting to, you know, tackle the topics I'm going to talk about later. Being very circumspect and ambiguous here, being very vague, as is my as is my right. opinion, but uh, right. I'll get into that soon enough. Very good. Um, and I'm sure we'll be responding to each other's points more in detail as we go, certainly in the discussion section, if not the the listener patron patron question so but but before that shadon creative time and there's uh quite a few people to cover shadon i you'll be so proud of me uh i Uh-oh. i compiled a lot of information into a single play so i won't have to be clicking around or scanning through lists um for things and so are you, are you gonna call this the vivipedia this is the vivipedia absolutely so like and by no means comprehensive but uh f- please interrupt me talk over me if you want to uh chime in about any of this because there's a lot to cover and otherwise i'm just going to be just going to be plowing through it so that we can get to content about the show but this is not something just to be just sort of perfunctorily to be shrugged off and my this is you know, we love to uh, talk about the people making this stuff to mm. get the idea out there that it does not come from, it's not made in a vacuum. It doesn't spontaneously sort of appear in the galaxy. Anime is a human creation made by human hands. And these folks uh, deserve, certainly they deserve uh, compensation, but they also deserve recognition. Uh, and the two can kind of go hand in hand. So, like, Yes, here are some of the folks that worked on this. The director of the entire project is Shinpei Izaki. Uh, Shinpei did the storyboard for episode one as well. And before I continue, I have to say, I'm reminded as I look at the CV, definitely (laughs) this list of uh, writers, directors, like I tweeted this out earlier, not something I'd look at on paper and be like, okay, I'm super excited to see what this is, but like This is this is the AT. This is the squad. This is weird because like some of these credits, I'm like, what? They they did that and they did this? But but I mean, you know, it goes this to show was, this chap this chap was a used car salesman. This this person, <laughs> you know, like works at a, at a boardroom level. Uh this person is an open heart surgeon, and yes. he's just like you know doing storyboards on the side <laughs> with like with his scalpel. Yeah, it's something like that. <laughs> but um, but it goes to show uh, one that our patrons are smart, and and because I'm enjoying the show, and two that this you know that anime is a is a very collective process, and mm-hmm. it can be more than the sum of its parts, and often is. So, uh, Izaki's credits was the director of Guilty Crown Lost Christmas. Well, I'm, I mean, you said, you said that for... The thing is, right, you said this document was something you had created. Yes. I'm not doubting the, uh, uh, you know, the authenticity of your claim there, but more, I reckon you put that there first because you wanted to get it out of the way early just to seem like the deeps, 
trenches of pain mm-hmm. going through my face. I did. Yes. Thinking about that. Yes. Uh, I was a little disappointed. Uh, you had although, a good poker although, face. Although, funnily enough, like, for all my criticism of Gears of Crown, there is a video for it, by the way. If you search on the channel, it's where I actually do a video essay on it for once, and it's not my usual unhinged rambling. Um, the world design was decent, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. There was some good visual elements in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't care for anything else. It was all a bit <laughs> shit. It's all a bit shit. Uh, Izaki also directed the Monster Strike movie and something called Woodpecker Detectives Office Chief. Um, but those are the projects I could find that Izaki served as the head director. Um, they've done a lot of storyboarding and episode direction on like really good, you know, unequivocally good shows like Silver Spoon, Erased, and Banana Fish. Nice, nice. Yeah. So, um, you know, can do some good work, but like the projects they've helmed are a little bit head scratchy for me either just like i'm ignorant of them or just straight up didn't like them but maybe 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 that person is head scratching as well like why the fuck did i do this (laughs) putting food on the table uh but but vv i think so far is uh is easily the best thing on that list of of things that they have directed um the writers we only have to talk about two people um because uh the two folks writing all the scripts writing them together uh and this is their original concept, right? Ooh. So we don't get many of those, do we? No, no, no. I, I mean, like, I mean, just just to salute here, like one of the mm-hmm. things that you noticed before was the whole fact that we don't get a lot of anime like this before, which is an unashamed, like I wouldn't call it hard sci-fi, to be quite honest, uh, sure. because it's dealing with technologies that aren't like currently really scientifically feasible. But what, nonetheless, it's an unashamed sci-fi story that is prospective i would say because it's looking to the future uh, and it is principally concerned with technology and its effects on people yeah sort of but i might be showing my hand a little bit there but anyway uh we don't tend to get those like the last one i can think of and i'm bringing it up again it's one of yours and mine's favorite whipping posts you know <laughs> the thing that we the thing we like to kick because it's got down never coming back up again is of course cardo the right answer that's the same seems like a similar vein to me uh as maybe, yeah in terms of in terms of broad categorization, which is, here's a thing that's changing the world around us and how do people react to it? What do we do about it? That kind of thing. I definitely thought um, of that. Um, I thought of... <laughs> you're right. I thought of two... Um, oh. Shadon, why can't I never remember what the show we really liked was called? The Almost Azokin Killer. You you often said this oh, was Oh, that would be Decadence. Decadence, right? So, I, I mean, different subject matter, but like very like here's a science fiction show you know what i mean um yeah and there's some ideas at play uh but but there's but the, very different ones here very much more like you know it, I, I said it already but the the classic sci-fi fiction uh it reminds me of yeah and the other thing i mentioned as well though like you said about original concept like even beyond just it being sci-fi um how many times do we see right original concepts of any sort comes to anime anymore because it just seems to be getting safer in a sense and i don't mean safer in terms of material necessarily but rather we tend to like get more adaptations than anything else i don't know what the actual number is it's just more of a perception on my part i could be totally wrong but i mean if you have a manga that's popular 
then, well, speaking from, you know, anime studio production committee executive level, doesn't that make more sense to go for that as something with an established fan base that has established sales figures rather than, hey, I just pushed this script across your desk. How do you think about this, boss? Bye. Right, right. Yeah. Totally. Um, and, I mean, this is sort of one step removed from that. It is an original concept, but it's one of those things where it's an original concept by a couple people that have gotten a proven light novel commodity up and mm. going so this is this these two folks uh eiji umehara and uh tape nagatsuki are the re-zero light novel creators authors whoa really yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow yeah that's, that i did not see coming like i, I would that's that is a pedigree and now, now that you've said that, now I get why they're green like this. Like, okay, yeah, you made one of the most phenomenally popular anime of the past couple of years. Do whatever the fuck you want, basically. <laughs> right, right. Um, totally. Uh, and c- so they also, of course, like, worked on the scripts for the show. Um, they also worked together on the recent-ish Pokemon movie, The Power of Us, like that CG one. Um came out on i think in netflix a couple years ago but uh i mean i don't know anything about that for me pokemon movies pete's when ash got turned to stone <laughs> and then they unpeats when he got turned away from stone you know <laughs> i don't I even like, know Yay! which one that was that was the very first <laughs> no what he got turned to stone in the pokemon the movie i don't remember yeah uh mewtwo was trying to like you know zap mew with something and he was like no and then and then he gets turned to stone, all the Pokemon start crying, and it turns him back from stone. I'm just like, oh, god damn it. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'll have to, listen, I don't remember that part, but it admittedly has been a long time since I've seen Pokemon the movie, which I saw multiple times in theaters as a, as a teenager. Um, so, oh, also, uh, Eiji Umahara uh, is the chaos child, like, that's a visual novel, like, He's the scenario writer for that as well. Um, isn't isn't that in the Steinsgate universe? Or am I completely misremembering? Is it so? Robotics notes, for sure. Chaos head, for sure. Is chaos, because there's a semicolon there. Is it part of the Adventure Science series? Someone's gonna have to do some digging on it because I refuse to do it at the moment. <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> um, okay, episode directors. We have uh, Pei Nihong, um, not a Japanese person, which is good. Um, love it when, like, I don't know, there's diversity in the directing chairs. But uh, Pei Nihong was the episode director of episodes one and five. They were a key animator on Little Witch Academia, on the Legend of the Galactic Heroes remake, and Flying Witch. Um, hmm. Yusuke Kubo. Um, was episode director for episode two. Um, storyboarded and episode directed things like Banana Fish, JoJo's Golden Wind, some credits there. Uh, listeners, um, you know, what was that? a bit of <laughs> what is, I don't remember that show. Uh, I'll have to look up some information about it because it's not ringing a bell. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm shocked that you probably had more memory of that than you did Decadence, but then again, it's more No, 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 it's the title. It. It's totally the title. Like, I remember Decadence I, I, is much stronger, like, the I content. For, I forgive you. <laughs> mm. Also, Goblin Slayer uh, is, is in there. Um, 
for the questionable side of things. <laughs> but uh, episode three, uh, Naoki. Uh, oh, I can't read my own typing. Horiuchi, um directed episode three. Was an episode director on uh, big shonen properties like Naruto Shippuden and Blue Dragon, and did key animation for an episode of SSSS Gridman. Um, in episode four, <clears throat> excuse me, Shujiro Ami was the episode director. Um, they were an animation director and key animator for the Ace Attorney adaptation, quite a bit of that. Um, an episode director and key animator for Hanabaro and did a billion different jobs for Vinland Saga. There's like five or six credits for well, different this, episodes. This is a Wit Studio production, though, isn't yeah, it's it? it's true, so, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Back under the same umbrella as, as those folks. It's true. Um, and before we leave the creative's uh, tent, I thought I'd shout out uh, some seiyu. Um, Vivi... Uh, or is is it Vivi or Vivi, Vivi, Diva uh, Vivi? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say Vivi because if you say Vivi, I'm gonna think you're talking about the mage. Final Fantasy yeah, game. Vivi uh, is voiced by uh, Atsumi Tanazaki, and you may or may not know her as Chise from Ancient Magus Bride. Juno, oh shit! Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Juno from B Stars, uh, Neptune Knight from Land of the Lustrous. Uh, Tome Kurata from Mob Psycho 100. If you don't remember Tome, she's the um, the head of the Paranormal Club. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and there was plenty more roles to choose from. Uh, she, I've, I, I mean, I'll get to it eventually, but like, she is actually really good in this role. I must say because this role demands it demands what I'm going to call the Arnold Schwarzenegger effect for <laughs> obvious reasons. Uh, although Arnold Schwarzenegger had it easy because it demanded he didn't act as the Terminator and he can't act to begin with, so it was actually very easy for him. Whereas this is a little bit more complicated, but still demands that you do act in a way that's not necessarily immediately recognizable as human like mannerisms. Mm-hmm. It's got to be very, not quite, but very monotone, but also demands a bit of singing. Although, um, uh, that being said, is she also the singer? Does she also just, no. just sing the lyrics? No. I thought that might be the case. Yeah. No, different as, oh, you're right, it's, it's very much uh the case a lot of the time different different singer also uh tanazaki is Faye from fire emblem echoes um masamoto is voiced by uh everyone's favorite cackling villain jun fukuyama um yeah <laughs> is lelouch from code gas uh koro sensei from assassination classroom which i've written as ass class for short um, of course, it's the law. You, we don't make the rules around it. You have to call it ass class. Yes, uh, Joker from Persona Five, and uh, one shout for me and you. Probably Fukuyama isn't really thought of for this role, but I had to write it down. Luca Angeloni from Macross Frontier. Um, and then uh, the singer, I could not find. I, you know, I looked in places other than ANN. I couldn't find any other credits for them if only we had mark on <laughs> mark could give us the scoop but uh just pull out the signal uh kairi yagi is uh the singer and if you look up her like at, at least when i tried to look her up it was all like hey here's the singer that sung three songs in uh the vivi show vivi show um and uh that was show. it yeah yeah. Also, it's just occurred to me that, like, if you're 
looking at the the Vivipedia, and there's a section about Vivi. It's the Vivi section, and that's no good. We moving can't be on, saying that. On. Yeah, yeah, on. yeah. So that's it for that's all for uh, creatives. Uh, lots of really cool folks involved in the show and folks doing cool things. So yeah, uh, on to patron questions. Excellent. Right, well, uh, we will get right into it. And again, if you think to yourself, hey, uh, we're about to answer questions from patrons, and I'd like to, you know, get in on this axe, you know, ask questions about the shows that these guys are covering as they go along. Again, go sub to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash show. Get yourself on the free dollar tier. You can ask us questions about Vivi as we cover it. Uh, but very first uh, pair of questions comes from GoGo Atomic Robot. Uh, the first of which is, and there's a preface to this actually, so I'll get that out there. Vivi Fluorite Eyes Song is the latest in a long line of science fiction on the subjects of humans versus robots and time travel to fix the future. What do you think is the appeal of this type of story? Ooh. Well, well, okay. I actually, because it's on record on this pod numerous times where I've discussed elsewhere. One of my favorite, if not my favorite films of all time is Terminator 2. Indeed. And I think I think I've actually come to a conclusion as to one of the reasons why this particular like genre of we know a bad thing is coming, we have to stop it, is coming because it feels like you don't know like this threat is not something that's there and present right now, but you know it's coming. It feels insurmountable. Like the idea of a of a world ending event coming in the future, um, that you can't immediately see around, but you can see the seeds of it planting, like and you're just that one person, and that plays into Vivi as well, actually, as it turns out. Like, how do you stop that? Like, it feels like a like a monumental thing to overcome, and I think that gives these kind of stories a real sense of stake and scope. Um, like, how the how the fuck do you do that? So that alone, I think, is is worthwhile. And I think beyond that, like when we talk about stuff like Terminator, for example, the and even just we're talking about stuff like Erased as well, like, you know, when we go back in time to solve the future there, or more like the present in that case. Um, I think that there's also that thing of like, that. there's also something inherently appealing, I think, to the idea of if you knew what the future held, would you do things differently? Mm-hmm. Can you do things differently even? Like even films like The Butterfly Effects have, cha- have tackled that, where things can go catastrophically wrong if you try and... Steins Gate, of course, you know, mm-hmm. which we brought before. The- Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the, well, the, the Nether Realm game specifically, uh, rather than the films. <laughs> that, that's those three games are this just massive story arc of like Raiden sees some shit that's going to happen in the future in Mortal Kombat Nine and does a bunch of stuff to prevent it, and basically fucks everyone over all through for the end of Nine, all of Ten, <laughs> and just by Eleven they have to wrestle things back into place but wow yeah god damn it right god damn it raiden come on raiden <sighs> get it together you did a fatality man. on the timeline <laughs> what a bastard <laughs> uh anyway anyway the, the other element of that question that gogo site robot asked though was about humans versus robots and i have a couple of thoughts on that and the first of which is it's when you have robots as your enemy there's it makes it easier to write action because they're just disposable enemies for the most part like if you've ever seen, for example, like, say, zombies, they would basically serve the same function as zombies or Nazis or whatever, like, they're consequence-free enemies that we fight, really, for the most part. Like, you know, when you shoot a Terminator, so what, it's a Terminator, who gives a crap? Like, you know, so it makes for easier conflicts and easier action. Um, and I think also just because there's always that tantalizing element of this is the near future, like, 
is this going to be what our reality is like where we do have these robots that can do all these things? And indeed, Vivi is tackling that a tiny bit. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of appeals to be found in the idea of time travel mixed with also humans versus robots, just because, again, it's it's what it feels like tangibly close to us in terms of our real, uh, in terms of our current present day situation versus what's just round the corner. But it also then, you know, has that idea, as I say, of like, what bigger threat can you get than a post-apocalypse that you know is coming, but you have no evidence of? So how do you as a lone person, or maybe you and your scrappy group of friends, stop? Like, it... I mean, one final example I'll give in, in service of this and the time travel thing is a game I've never played, but I have watched LP of, and I think the concept is genius, which is Chrono Trigger. Oh, so good. <laughs> so, so... At, at, at the risk of spoiling, like in Chrono Trigger, the big no, bad of the game... No, game from 1995, don't spoil it. <laughs> well, you know, um, is is an extra-dimensional parasitic entity named Lavos, mm-hmm. or Lavos. Uh, we're going to be doing that a lot, I think, doing no. this pronunciation. <laughs> it's, come on, no one says Lavos. Who says Lavos? Show yourself, I, I, coward. Name yourself <laughs> so I can shame you. It's Lavos. Lavos. And the thing is, right, Lavos is just literally there to consume life on on Earth. And in the timeline of the game, you start off at something like 1000 AD and Lavos Correct. is due to emerge at like 1999 AD. The turn of millennium, not coincidentally, yeah. you know. Isn't it um, September again, 9th? Or is it? Just, do we know the date or is it just 1999? I think it might just be 1999. I, I, I don't know. I know, I know it's that. And I, I really like that, by the way, just as a small sound, because it's like, again, turn of millennium, the that what is in the new millennium that awaits us was it turns out desolation because lavos yeah. just destroys everything and it's an utterly uncomplicated force you know it just wants to do this thing because it can and i really really like that because for our protagonists who are like a hundred like in their timeline like hundred hundreds of years in the past they know this uncomplicated like uncaring like engine of destruction is going to lay waste to their world can they stop it do they have the power to stop it? Like, there's no complicated motion. And I think that there's something really, really brilliant. About it. it reminds me a little bit of what Alex said about Gunbuster, mm-hmm. uh, another time travel story, where he said the reason why all of those monsters in the end are so infinitesimal in number is because it's like the uncaring, like, you know, magnitude and, uh, you know, size of the universe coming crashing down on you. The weight of tomorrow, that kind of mm, thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that idea, like, I mean, that's why it makes for such a compelling sense of drama when it comes to these time tricks, where you know this bad shit is coming. You can't see it now, but you feel it. You know it in your in your brains, but mm-hmm. in your heart. Like, how the fuck do you stop it? And Vivi, to its credit, does show that it's going to take a hell of a lot to stop its apocalypse happening. And indeed, there are consequences to even trying to meddle in the timeline in where things seem to actually be speeding up a tiny <laughs> bit. Whoops. Yeah, I whoops indeed. Um, so I, I love these questions. For me, the the appeal of the uh, the robot story or like the AI story, right? When you have artificial intelligence contrasted with humans, is like taking the Venn diagram of human being and robot or AI, and watching them move closer and closer together, and trying to find what space is left over. Like what a- after the contrast has been fully done, like. What is it really that makes us human beings? Is it just because we're born from a womb? That can't be right. I mean, there's got to be more to it than that, right? But like, what, mm. what is it? Like, what makes us human? And is that something that gives us inherent value uh, in the universe? Um, and, and these kind of stories often 
and Vivi does too, I think, get at those questions. Um, and that can in turn have this, like, I think, uh, side effect of thinking about what potentially in the future the rights for artificial intelligence ought to be. And this story does deal with that directly. Um, as far as the time stuff, I mean, you know, time travel is just really fun, uh, really neat to get in and think about. Uh, this story in particular, though, I think um, is in, there's there's so many different ways that fiction has made parallel worlds or revised time. Like, how does time respond to the meddling of time travelers? And in this show, um, and this is kind of related to the structural elements that you were just talking about, Shadon. Um, there is a real sense that the time travelers are wrestling with fate, that history, it may not be have some kind of agency like, like Hegel might think it has. Uh, but the show does kind of, I think paint history as something that is tending towards its destination and no matter how you push against it and you struggle against it, like it's going to push back harder against you. And it's Matsumoto actually has a line to that effect where he says, like, you can't throw a pebble in a stream and expect it to, uh, you know, dam the dam the river mm-hmm. or divert it. And funnily enough, that I feel almost was a line for line copy of a line or a set of lines said by cane of a cane from um legacy of cane soul mm, weaver mm-hmm. um because he has a conversation with raziel and um, uh, another character from that where he says similar things about how you know time works and that you know simply throwing pebbles in doesn't do much mm. um you need to make like massive like actions in order to shift the direction of a river that kind of yeah thing. and and they're kind of doing that right they're not just sort of popping in once and you know, making something go left instead of right. And then the butterfly effect happens and everything's totally different. They're very much like surgically going in at different points of vulnerability and making tweaks so that Mm -hmm. they hope to, you know, like change the course of the river. That's a really great way to put it. Um, Sports almanac, mate. Sports almanac. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, um, the, the one thing I'll note, the one thing I'll note as well, I think is important to establish is that time travel fiction tends to have varying rules, and this leads into people like worrying about grandfather paradoxes, all that sort of stuff. You know, where how did this even happen? In oh no, I've gone cross-eyed. It's the Austin Powers joke again. I say you should just enjoy yourself, and that goes for you too. And Austin <laughs> looks around the camera, um, yeah. and uh, you know what, I, I. I broadly agree with that sentiment. Like, don't get too hung up on... Basically, treat the time, the mechanics of the time travel in a story as importantly as they can, the story itself considers them. Like, yeah. it's a means to an end to allow it to happen more often than not. Vivi, yes. however, actually does have a mechanic to it with time travel, I think, really works for it. And I also think helps keep the threat fresh, which is we see, like, these various insert shots of, like, sort of branching timelines. Mm-hmm. And what that implies is that it doesn't mean that, like, you know, they magically change one time, but rather it's budded off in a different direction with each, in, like, each amendment they make. And I really like that because it means that, it don't, like, the war that we see at the very start of the first episode when the AI start revolting, 
and cannot be undone, right. will never be undone. Right. What you're trying to do is prevent it happening at all. And that's something I've seen a lot of other hard sci-fi works as well, where, in fact, in genuine hard sci-fi, where the idea of, like, quantum mechanics comes in, like, you know, where you can't, like, grandfather, this is how you avoid, but grandfather paradoxes in time travel, because you don't amend, like, I could go back in time, like, you know, and shoot my granddad, and it won't stop me from being, it would stop a new me from being conceived, it won't stop me here, now from right. being conceived, that kind of thing. Not that I would do that, of course, oh, my granddad. <laughs> no indeed <laughs> no um so I, I i like that it does that as well oh that's why the fresh remain sorry the fret remains fresh because it hasn't suddenly been magically undone mm-hmm. it's still like oh yeah uh this has happened and it will happen again not as opposed to we can stop this from ever happening which i think is important yeah yeah although i mean i think they do say in episode five that like v- vivi was worried about her in this timeline, like, kind of, uh, I guess, being, like, decommissioned, or basically, when they get rid of, when they shut down the island, it's going to halt production of a bunch of AI parts that are needed, and it's going to shut down a bunch of AI, and Vivi was worried about that being her, because she's not in a loop. She didn't have to worry about a grandfather paradox, but she... But potentially she could, you know, since she's not like a time traveler, actually. I don't actually, I don't actually think she was worried about herself. I think cause she was just thinking about to, uh, the the bride. Grace. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Matsumoto I mean, that, directly says, I'll take care of you. Um, yeah. And so I don't think that's a time travel later on. I think that's just more to illustrate, again, the difference between the two of them in the Matsumoto is like, yeah. well, hey, you're, 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 what's, you're the agent. You're what matters. And Vivi, of course, actually gives a shit about people totally also it just hit me like because i wrote down (laughs) references of the characters in the show to works of leiji matsumoto but it just hit me that this guy is called matsumoto the ai like what that's Mm -hmm. that clinches the shout out for me that like estella is such a shout out to maytel Ah. from galaxy express 39 and and also and her sister i know she's missing the hat and her sister sort of dressed in like tougher gear remind me of Quita Emeraldus and you know Vivi there's there's some of that too but it's sort of like she's the OC Matsumoto character it's it's really neat um I I enjoy I enjoy those those homages because I'm a fan of the works of Leiji Matsumoto that's quality great um right do you have anything else to add to that question doc um I do think just in case I don't get back to it earlier Mm -hmm. I'll say um I, I think that, uh, like, you know, we're talking about history, right? And uh, being able to affect it and the, the work presenting it as something that is pushing back against being fucked with and is going to, like, uh, get where it needs to go, get where it originally intended to go. It's difficult to redirect it. At the same time, isn't it interesting that they show this sort of... Uh, this? I think speaks to the nuance of the the writing and stuff. They show this side of history that is a lot more fungible, which is like media manufactured consent and perception. Um, Very kind of similar things happen at the end of episode four in terms of the hotel crashing. Um, Ultimately disaster is avoided. Uh, But it's it's so interesting though that like 
that event you like in the original history Estella is called the most grievously defective AI of all time mm-hmm. but because of a few a few things happen you know a few tweaks you know the the records and the black box still show Estella being the one who fucked it up and the hotel still went haywire. I mean, she could have totally been still like blamed or, or uh, AI could have come off looking bad, but like she goes from being known as horribly defective, even though she didn't really do it. That's the thing is the facts are still the facts, right? Like she, Estella did not crash the hotel. Her sister did, but in this other thing, some tweak a few, a few events and she is known as like the platonic form of an artificial intelligence that all AI should aspire to be. And yeah. I just think well, that's super for that, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still broad the same event, but as you say, a couple of changes here and there. I mean, the reason that happened, that she is seen as that ideal, is because she sacrificed herself and, and her sister as well, to be fair, mm-hmm. uh, to stop the hotel crashing into a city, whereas in the original timeline, it was just going to go into the ocean, which... I mean, kill people on board the hotel anyway in the original timeline, but this is going to drop in a city. And uh, I, I didn't realize that, you know, um, Elizabeth was reading from the Gundam playbook there, but hey, here we are. <laughs> exactly. It's, she wanted to execute a colony drop. <laughs> what, 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 would, uh, what would they do in Gundam? Mm, right, wonder. right. What would, yeah. uh, uh, what would Zeon do? <laughs> WWZD. Yeah. Although, although that does beg a question in that I, like, because the because Estella and uh, Elizabeth are AIs, mm-hmm. um, couldn't they just like upload their consciousness to the archive that we see and then just get a new body at some point? I'm not going to bother debating or discussing. I just want to bring it up as just sure. I, I just want to bring it up because it's. I think this show. I'm going to get into it later. I think this show doesn't quite go far enough in tackling what it would really mean to be an AI which can jump in and out of bodies or like where you know, where the archive exists, you know, like where there is a clearly a digital world they can roam in. Um, and there are the minor elements that like the unintended fact that, oh, uh, couldn't Elizabeth and uh, Estella survive this whole thing? Um, to what I think is also a wider problem with how the show deals with its action, particularly in a quite pivotal scene at the end of episode one but i'm gonna get into that later yeah i think you might be presuming a lot about what the archive is um because we're not really told that it is a digital Mm. world i mean we're certainly not shown that at least i don't recall the the idea of ai or anyone uploading their consciousnesses well, Vi- well that's what Vivi does. She or, uh, she puts her con- she puts her consciousness in there. When I don't remember, we we see scenes of her talking with Matsumoto in there. Oh yeah, no, like that's but that's you don't we don't know that that's her consciousness. That could just be like mm-hmm. sort of a visualization of her accessing a network. You know what I mean? Or or like her, it's sort of tapping into a Wi-Fi type thing. Um, we don't really well, I think, know. I think because like she's. I think first... there is. Sorry, go ahead. I think there's a little bit of evidence for it, given that when she first gets hacked by Matsumo in the very first episode, like her body shuts down entirely, and then she meets it in that digital world. So clearly, it can't. If her well, yeah, but she can down, get. Well, a computer can get hacked, right, and shut down. But it's like that doesn't mean 
that something inside the computer goes into a digital world. Do you know what I mean? It's like... Um, I, hope, I hope my PC's not got an AI in it. I'm not ready for that. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I, it just, we're it just not, not told be, specifically, I guess. So like... Yeah. You, we, I bring it up not to really argue the mechanics of it, but rather because I feel like this show... Again, this is going to tie into my wider point of this could be going way further with the concepts. And this ties in, this is going to tie into stuff that uh, Vivi says in the first episode and the second one in particular. Um... I'll get into it later, I promise. Mm-hmm. But I really do think that the show feels kind of constrained in some way with its sense of imagination, how it handles the character. And I, again, I'm being vague here. I don't want to get into it because we've got patron questions, but yeah. I'll get into it later. All right. Okay. Next question. Uh, this also is from uh, Go with Toy Robot. Do you have any expectations for what will be explored in Vivi based on your previous experience with this genre? Okay. Do I want to lay my take cards on the table right now as to one of the things I feel disappointed about this show with, but I'm also not sure if I should be or not? That's up to you, because man. I well, I I've, I mean, people are paying me to give my opinions. Mm-hmm. I might as well. <laughs> so it's a it's a privileged platform I'm on here, right? Okay, I'm gonna ask you a question then, Doc. Just to firstly, for one, just to try and have this be a little bit intellectual. I like to do this sometimes where I test poor Doc, like say, well. What happened in this episode? Okay. Uh, and yeah. also just to make sure that I'm not misremembering anything. Um, so I wanted to ask you, why do Toke, or Toak, again, whatever you got to call them, yeah. uh, why do the anti-AI group that we see throughout this episode to persist throughout many decades of history in the show thus mm-hmm. far, why do they not like AI? I don't think they ever come out and explicitly state it. Thank you. But I think... I actually think that that's good because I think this is the thing I'm conflicted about. Okay. Uh, because go ahead. on the one on the on the one on the one hand, on the one hand, right? You'd you'd think there would be a kind of congruity between Matsumoto's objectives and Toke's because they both want to stop AI evolution. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that Toke aren't actually clued in on the reasoning as to why. I mean, we're, this is again what I've talked about before, where there's like different audiences beyond just us as the actual audience watching this media. Like, who knows what at a given point in time. Matsumoto and Vivi know about the apocalypse that's coming. Matsumoto more than Vivi, I would argue, because he's actually mm-hmm. from the future. Um, there is a degree of difference even there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got Toke, who they don't like AI's for reasons mm-hmm. and the issue i take with that is that i've, I've i mean i i've said before about this like you know being very old school and i'm thinking of one particular offering question in particular who i've mentioned before isaac asimov yeah uh who i was reading about on wikipedia before um to see because i realized the thing you need to do now of course is every reference an author you need to check if they're actually got nazi links <laughs> oh, it turns no. out it's not the case but it also turns it also turns out that the one thing that Isaac Asimov could have written a book on but chose not to was sexual assault. So that's great. He was a very hands-on kind of guy. What a bastard. Oh, um, no. But anyway, but anyway, uh, to separate out from the artist, he, of course, wrote uh, the famous robot series novels, including mm-hmm. where I, Robot, comes from right. and the free laws of robotics, which he came up with not just as a means of like, hey, this is how we should do robots, but rather we wanted to explore it in the fiction. That's what good science fiction is. You come up with a sci-fi idea and you explore how it affects people and how it would operate in the real world. Mm-hmm. And the particular book I'm thinking of here is the one called Caves of Steel. It's the first one where he has a human detective partner with a robot detective and they go and like solve a crime. And there are other uh, books in that series featuring that same pair. 
Um, and of course, the human detective is doesn't trust robots, and you know the robot mm-hmm. detective is all very like you know I don't understand human behavior, <laughs> yeah. most illogical that kind of. So it's it's a it's a it's a pretty solid book, and yeah. I, and if you think yourself like I've seen I've heard like this a million it. times before. Give Asimov credit, he wrote the very first one in the mm-hmm. 50s, and I'm mentioning that also because it goes to show he had much, he had his eye on the ball of like how robot, uh, robots, robotics would go. Uh, so in that book, there is a scene in which the two main, main characters I mentioned pass by a shoe fitting store. Why is that relevant? There's a protest going outside because the shoe fitting store has sacked all of its like human employees and replaced them with robots. Right. Now, whatever you want to say about shoe fitting as a job or a profession, like nonetheless, that's automation happening there. That is a thing that you and I, Doc, intellectually know is something going on right now that's happening to real people. And again, as my prediction in the 50s. But there's a rational reason for the people to be protesting out there. They, like, you know, they're probably employees maybe even of that store. Like, I lost my job to this robot that doesn't get paid anything and now I don't have anywhere to work. I can't feed my kids. This isn't right. I'm going to go protest. Mm-hmm. That's a relatable and understandable motivation. Tok don't have any of that. They just don't like them. And the thing that I find difficult and problematic is I feel like they don't function as a way of exploring the concepts of what it means for AIs to evolve and the problems around that, but rather they serve as the bad guys. Mm -hmm. And if you want my way of illustrating that, the reason that we know they're bad and they're in the wrong in the first two episodes is not because of their ideology that we can think about but ultimately disagree with, it's because they want to murder a guy. That's how they are. That's how the show like dictates to us that they are the bad guys. And for a high concept sci-fi thing, I feel that's awfully simplistic, and it feels kind of. I feel like it's a wasted opportunity for them not to have an actually comprehensible ideology. Again, not even after one I agree with, but at least it's one I can understand. And you could have literally, with very little effort, had them simply be former uh, Mealand, that's the theme park employees, or some of them. Very Asimov then, you know. Hey, we got sat from the theme park and now we're terrorists, mm-hmm. I guess. Okay, fair enough. Um, but you were right in pointing out maybe that's a good thing because because, and I've, this is why I took a walk before so I could think on this. The, the thing is all of the stuff that's happened in the episodes thus far has not been the fault of any of the AIs present. It has been human interference. Mm-hmm. It has been Toke Toke and Toke. Like, you know, they are ultimately, uh, you know, did they, like, they're, they're ultimately having to frame AI as bad because they don't have a good reason. I mean, that's what happens in the Sunrise Hotel incident mm-hmm. in episodes three and four. They have to fabricate it. They have to make it up. Right. Like, and use an AI to do so. Yes. They have to frame AI as mm-hmm. being bad because they have no actual, like, good reason for it. And this is what conf- I feel conflicted about because... I feel with absolute certainty that this show is actually influenced a little bit by Asimov. I mean, Mm -hmm. the very idea of AIs having missions and the fact that they operate within the framework of those missions and then bend what the rules a little bit in order to do it. Like with uh, Elizabeth, for example, Mm -hmm. you know, she's a life giver, but she only considers humanity to exist of one person. That means, you know, like she'll do whatever is necessary to, uh, you know, uh, protect, like to, to make his world better at the expense of other people. And this is also why Vivi, even though she is just a singing robot, feels compelled to go and do all the things she's doing because her mission to sing and make people happy can't happen if everyone's dead, mm. you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so it feels very Asimovian in sure. that way. And, that, and that's why I feel really conflicted about it because I think to myself, okay, they don't have a good reason. 
Uh, and the reason that is that there is for stopping this is something that they cannot, as far as we know, be privy to at this point. But on the other hand, they're making shit up because they don't have a good reason. But for for a sci-fi work that's meant to be like looking at AI evolution, like the only reasons that we have to see that AI evolution is bad is because of what Matsumoto says, which is suspect. Plus, right. we don't know the circumstances of the war. Uh, and Toke, who AI's bad, I guess. And I don't know how I want to lean. I feel more inclined to lean towards feeling disappointed that it doesn't traffic in that subject matter, that it doesn't actually give a comprehensible reason for Toke to do what they do. Because I think you could still do both, you know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to... I mean, when I said, like, you know, they made up a reason because they didn't have a good one, that doesn't mean that they can't have a reason, but it still be a bad one. I mean, going back to the shoe-fitting example from Asimov's story, do you want to know what the real problem there is? It's not, you know, robots replacing people in jobs. It's the fact that jobs are a necessary thing to begin with, and there is no safety net put in place for these people, you know, to move on to, like, different work that they could do. Mm -hmm. So, overall, I think I am going to side on the fact that I feel disappointed in tackling that, because I feel it could do all of this. It could have all of this in one go. So, but... Oh, go ahead. But, but, but... But lastly, mm-hmm. episode three and four do prove, though, that there is, a, beyond Toke, there is also just the fact that, like we said in Wonder Egg, there are people making AIs and creating them without due concern for their, you know, like, purpose or well-being in life, as is the case with Elizabeth. And that's a worthwhile thing exploring itself. So, yeah. so I'm just like, ah, like, I don't know. Do I do I not like it? But am oh, I, I Sundari on this? You tell me. Well, there's, I think, you know, even beyond, like... Like, if Toke, as a group, an organized group, were not part of the show and it was just random different protests or whatever, I still think there would be so much, so much good about the show thematically. I don't think it success kind of hinges on the coherence of Toke as a group or an idea. I I think it's strong, like, especially for today, because I don't, I don't think that they need an economic reason. I think looking at a lot of reactionary protests that happen today, there's kind of an amorphous blob of reasons that they have, and they're not really unified. Like, you know, you could have, like, people, you know, marching on some lawn because they're race realists. Some of them are there because they don't like cancel culture. Some of them are there because they don't want Mr. Potato Head to be just Potato Head. Um, You know, like, there's... um, you know, some of them are there because <clears throat> they feel like it's what God wants them to do. And I feel like kind of painting, like conceptualizing Toke is more of a, like that kind of movement, like people that have, rather than specific things that could be fixed by policy fixes, like that they have this kind of deep-seated, almost religious, anti-AI bias. Like, I think that works for keeping Toke around through the ages because we see all kinds of development happen even over the span of, like, 20 years of this future. Mm -hmm. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, why could the government not just, like, create these policy fixes and then Toke is happy? Like, Toke just putting pressure on the government to do... So, like, and it seems like, at least as far as Episode 5 goes, like, that the society is kind of well on its way to, like coexisting like AIs and humans and humans still being able to have like a good standard of living, at least the slice of the world that we see. So I don't think you necessarily need these economic problems um, 
And I think keeping Toke's reasons vague, again, does lend credence to the idea that it persists throughout the decades. Um, Because they wanted to persist, uh, if for no other reason than to have this one guy keep encountering Vivi over and over again. And we kind of eventually get to see maybe what the show has to say about about responding to someone like that with these deep-seated reactionary beliefs, like whether or not the show thinks that kind of person can be persuaded, whether the show thinks that kind of person is worth persuading to begin with. Um, I'm really interested to see where that goes. Um, I actually do think that the show already actually partially answers that question, but I'm going to talk about that later. Um and the thing is, like, I like the idea of them as a recurring uh, group because that's, again, true of, re- of reactionary groups or terrorist groups in real life for a start. They do persist over the course of decades if issues aren't solved. Um, but yeah, I, I just... But there's no solving this issue, you know what I mean? Like, unless you want to just wipe out AIs, which is not a real solution. But, like, it's just like the like the abortion, you know, they're, they're people that, like, uh, there's no negotiating like it's the, either it must like, be outlawed or and if it's not like you're wrong and we can bomb your clinic or whatever yeah but i mean even people who are anti-abortion like they like i of course vehemently disagree with that but i they at least have a position they operate from rather than be, just because oh i mean like, i think it's really e- i mean i know you're gonna say like the show should should say this but we're not really given a toke point of view to operate from so like I think it's okay that we don't get the explicit. It's so easy to imagine, like, you know, fucking people that are like, you know, oh, fuck AI. They're they're going to replace us. I mean, you just, like, substitute AI for illegal immigrants, and you've got your... I mean, to me, it's just so easy to imagine um, any number of anti-AI positions that I don't... I don't... I'm good with it not being there, and, like... Also, because again, I I don't want the show to present something concrete that you might be thinking in the future. This could so easily be solved. Why isn't it solved now? Um, I I like them as very militant anti AI. Like, you know, they need to go away. There's no kind of middle ground. Um. So, but as far as uh, as far as Gogo's question, um, what do I anticipate? Well, I t- you talked a little bit about that with the recurring Toke Man. Um, that'll be interesting. I mean, otherwise, I don't really know this show I found um, to be sufficiently surprising um, that I'm just like really, I don't know, I'm super curious. Um, I'm very interested to see where it will go. In this story arc that it's on, I, I would love for it to uh, kind of dig dig its talons in a little bit more to dr psyche and grace's relationship and like you know the whole ai marriage business like what it has to say about that and like i mean maybe it maybe it's already tipped its hand because like it, it is very much like presenting ais is like so close like i think the reason they're not shown as doing anything super sci-fi or whatever is because like the show has interest in showing them as human as possible um because that's kind of the idea that it has and wants to promote about them i think and so yeah i wanted to to 
talk more about the possibility of love. I mean, is is there love asymmetrical? Is there real love there? What is it like for the doctor? Because like there was this one really tempting, like or, or, not tempting, but uh, tantalizing shot of uh, when when Vivi leaves the doctor's residence. He's walking up the stairs seeming very despondent and like grace is in the garden talking to the palm tree like like it seems like that like that was so different than like the pictures in the newspapers like does he have some kind of agenda being with her like just trying to for there's forward like uh you know just trying to uh what am i trying to say like advance the idea that like you know ai they're basically human we should treat them as such like there's a lot of interesting things that you could that you could go into i did find it I did find it a bit odd, like, if they were married, that there was no physical interaction between the two of them. So not even, like, a kiss on the cheek or anything. I know. It's, it's interesting. It's... And I don't know if that was, again, just because the show is going to deal with that or not. Or, I mean, because in theory, we could see, like... I mean, this is where I also now bring up uh, Isaac Asimov's other work, Bicentennial Man, uh, which was a book before it was a movie. Right, um, right. And that also, funnily enough, is not too far away from Vivi as a concept in that it is about the evolution of robots over the course of, well, two centuries in this case, uh, with the robot in question who's the main character, Robin Williams in the film, you know, uh, becoming more and more human to the point that he, well, at least as far as the film portrays it, like, you know, is willing to die in order to be recognised as human. And he even falls in love with... Uh, well, the family members he protects over the course of, like, several mm-hmm. generations. Um, God, it's funny how many times I've referenced Asimov already, and I just think to myself, damn, this really is all the things I like in a blender. <laughs> well, I, um, uh, just to make a different reference, Time of Eve has a really good episode about this, about uh, love. Uh, I think, I can't remember if it's between robot and a human or between a robot and another robot, but, like, I believe it is robot-human. Um, so... Definitely, Shadon should watch this. I think it would be right up your alley. And it's very short. It's only a six-episode OIV. It's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I'm going to mention as well about in terms of what I think it's going to explore is, well, the, I mean, with Vivi singing, obviously, there's been this thing going through, like, can I, like, sing from the heart? What does it mean to have a heart? You know, the, the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz kind of thing, you know? The, the automaton that can actually feel and has a soul and all that. And to this show's credit, that is actually very well demonstrated in the tension between Vivi and her devil on the shoulder, Matsumoto. Because Matsumoto is... He's everything that Toke actually fears, as it turns out. If, if I could at least give them more... Or at least ascribe to the more concrete ideology. But you can very at least point to... He's a super advanced AI, you control everything... And if you went psychopathic, you could kill tons of people without a problem. And on top of that, he's yeah. completely like cold and uninterested in the value of human life. Yeah, Gogo poses an interesting thing in chat, basically saying, "Are we sure he's the good guy?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I well, the thing is, his his goal of stopping android evo- or AI evolution is directly opposed to his very existence as an AI to begin with, because. He is clearly incredibly evolved and incredibly advanced. He's arguing against his own existence, which is kind of crazy when you put it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but on top of that, is also what he does to Vivi at the end of episode two, which is uh, clearly, yikes. Um, he is the devil on the shoulder. Um, he he believes in the absolute truth of historic facts, not to realize, of course, that as evidenced in episodes three and four, things are not quite what they seem. Um, he has no concern for, like, Vivi's privacy. He has no concern, again, for, like, you know, the lies or the story, but just the well-being. Like, knock this person out, Vivi. 
this is a problem, this kind of thing. Um, so, because interestingly, we're going to get to this question soon, but like what Matt Smosa has been doing with Vivi has actually not uh, made things better in his, for his objective. If anything, it's made them worse. It has brought the timeline forward. Mm-hmm. Whoops. <laughs> uh, Rackham in um, chat says something interesting too, that like, in terms of like, what you were saying at the very beginning here that tokes rationality and he says that um there's no difference in his opinion between vivian matsumoto having uh having there, there a, is a also reason. difference he says oh there's also a difference my bad oh what does uh between them and tokes seemingly pretending uh operating based out of hate i'm not sure i'm not sure what that means i thought i knew what it meant <laughs> i thought he was saying what i thought he was saying is that Vivi and Matsumoto don't like, you know, uh, rigorously argue their position about human life, good, safe humans. Like they just sort of have their reason. They were given these missions and, mm-hmm. you know, we could functionally operate that way with, with Toke, but I guess he's saying something different. So my bad, Rackham. <laughs> mm. We'll come back to that in a bit. So yeah, um, I think that um, with Vivi, like... Uh, We've got this, you know, um, can androids actually truly care? Or Sorry, mm-hmm. can AI? I keep using androids and AI interchangeably, oh, me too. you know me what too. I mean. Yeah. Uh, can, can AIs, like, you know, truly feel, can they truly care about other people? Um, and I think that's going to be something that's going to be explored throughout the show. I mean, for, like, for the instances we've seen thus far, like, of course, with um, Estella and Elizabeth, like, the reason, part of the reason they remembered is because they... In a way that I thought was really great, they distracted the um, the the evacuated uh, citizens from the hotel from the hotel's destruction. Not through just singing, even though that's a big part of it, but also by pointing them to look away from it. Like, hey, if you just peer over here, like not not the <laughs> other side, not the starboard bit, because out there there's like you know real bad shit happening. Really good tour um, guide stuff. Yeah, yeah, they they really cared, mm-hmm. um, and maybe there is no functional difference in that case between what maybe they do truly care anyway depends on your definitions um i think that's like that's the the thing right is like like i think one of the hearts of the show is like what's really the difference there like estella and beth like as the uh hotel is going down they sued the people because uh that's their their purpose their mission like it's what they, you know, it's a rule that they feel like they ought to live by anything they ought to do. Um, what's like the functional difference between that and how we feel like we need would need to do something like that, like to pacify yeah. well, other people, you know what I mean? There's there's very clearly a dichotomy in the show thus far between what are the most positive things that happen versus the most negative. And the most positive things that happen in it, such as, you know, Estella and Elizabeth saving and, you know, uh, like, serenading the evacuees Vivi's involvement uh, her relationship with uh, the kid from the first two episodes mm-hmm. her relationship Momoka. with yeah. the kid's sister Momoka and the, the kid's um, sister in the, in the other two um, and indeed even in the original timeline the marriage of Grace and the Doctor like you know the greatest change like the greatest positive uh, things in, in the shows as far as the show is concerned is caring for a people Whereas the worst things are those that are just committed out of hatred, uh, you know, or indifference or like, you know, where there is no value to human life, be it Masamoto or Toke. Um, so, yeah, like that to me seems pretty clear. Um, I 
think we'll just have to wait and see. Like, because I think the question at the end is going to be like, is Vivi like you know? Does she she starts as a as someone who has no audience? Uh, she'll end as someone with a, a great big audience, mm-hmm. but will is that because like you know she's now finally become human for lack of a term? How do we define that? That kind of thing. Bicentennial Man stuff, as I say. Well, there's also a third. So you mentioned like caring versus causing harm. I think there's also another kind of moral category uh, introduced in, I think it's the end of the first episode, which is not causing harm, but allowing harm to happen. Um, Mm. Because she, no, not even that, but like, well, it would be apathy on Matsumoto's part. Yes. That like they could have saved Momoka's plane from crashing if she had the information, but he was like, no, we're not here to do that. And Vivi saw Momoka's plane crash and, you know, she was allowed to come to harm. You know, Vivi and Matsumoto didn't do that, uh, but they could have prevented it. And that is something that deeply affects uh, Vivi. And I think that's a very human thing uh, for her to be so Mm. deeply affected by something like that. Whether or not you want to say it's not the same thing because she's just feeling like her mission's been violated. But like, in, ter- in terms of, like, her behavior and reactions that we can judge, like, I mean, it's it seems indistinguishable from how a human would react to it, her despondence and her anger at Matsumoto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, right, do you have anything else to add to that question? Mm. What was the question? Remind me. Uh, the question was, do you have any expectations for what will be explored? Oh, right. Uh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying the ride. I'm not thinking about uh, too much beyond the current story arc. Okay, right. Uh, next batch of questions comes from uh, Rakim and goes like this. First one is, do you think that the family and eventual descendants of Momoka will continue to pop up in Vivi's mission, similar to her sister robots, that being Elizabeth and... Um, Estella, who are called the sisters, right. indeed, there's like because they're essentially uh, iterations on Vivi's original yeah, Grace model. Grace too, uh, and Grace, yeah. And if so, do you think they'll end up having any relevance other than a coincidental plot point? Uh, I personally would be okay with Momoka's like lineage mm-hmm. ending as of the start of episode five. I think she served her purpose because mm. I think that it gets. Oh. A, I think it. I, I think at some point it gets a bit too contrived that they keep meeting up i mean there is actually we see um what was momoko's sister's name again i can't remember i can't remember either uh momoko's sister yeah. right basically like she she is actually in the episode episode five at the very start not in the same place mm-hmm. as i but she's clearly older. a lot older she still has the bear yeah uh, and that's it and then the bear is now left um in fact no the bear hasn't even left the bear has downloaded itself so we're not going to see her again i don't think uh so no i think she served her purpose um, but I, I have to say, like in terms of Momoka and her sister's like in contributions to the show, I think they worked. Oh yeah. Because um, I think they've in part like helped define her identity in terms of both her name and also, um, you know, inspiring Vivi, like you know, to take more active action to save people. Like she couldn't save Momoka the first time; she didn't have the power to do so. And in theory, Momoka's sister on the on the hotel, irrelevant. Who cares? Like, you know, the big picture in here is stopping the war. Who, who cares, like, you know, if, a, you know, a couple people die here and there. But she still does it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I think that they're. I think that insofar as um, their purpose in the show, I'm fine with it ending there. There's no need for them to come back. I think if anything, you would say it'd get be a little bit silly if they kept coming back. Like I can understand the guy from Tote coming back, even though it actually feels like it's getting funnier and funnier every time he does. Because he just constantly gets the shit kicks out of him. Like, the first time around, he's like, okay, I'm really angry at you, but I'm not, like, he's, he's got, like, a fair bit of time where he's not incapacitated. The second time, he gets his speech off, and then he's knocked out. And the third time, he's just pulled out of the ocean, and yes. he's already, like, half dead. Like, he's slowly turning into the, um... God, what was his name again? Fuck, I was thinking of this character before. He's from Looney Tunes. He's, uh, Yosemite Sam. He's basically the Yosemite, like, I hate that! I hate that AI! Like, that's, that to me feels like it, the level of characters we have from... Although, that's actually a lie, because there's more to him than that, and I'll get to that later. Um, but, like, I, I think that to a certain point, like, characters coming cr- crossing the timeline along with Vivi gets a bit too contrived, so I'm happy with them being done. Because um, they've served the purpose. Well, I, I don't think that the purpose is finished being served, and I think that, if not the same family tree, then I think someone from Vivi's... Uh, some someone with some kind of personal connection to someone who knew Vivi in the past or someone with just a personal connection to Vivi should pop up in future arcs because that's like the foil to this the same guy who keeps popping up does it over necess- and over. Does it necessarily need to be Momoka or a family tree though? I don't think it has to. No, 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 no. I don't people. think it has to. Like I said, I don't, I don't think it needs to be them just uh, bearing some kind of personal relationship to to Vivi because I think that helps ground what Vivi's purpose is. Like she's not sort of doing something for an abstract idea completely, not like just trying to only like preserve the smiles yeah. of mankind, right? Of, of humankind. That he speak, that he, that he speak human connection, a human yeah, face. And she just needs to like, be like, you know, I want to preserve your smile. Like, and that's, we've seen, that kind of interaction serve as sufficient motivation to like really give her that last oomph to like get done what she needs to get done. So I like that. I think that would, uh, that will be good if it continues. And again, I think it's very humanizing to like, you know, have this sort of goal in the abstract that you want to achieve, but really be spurred on by, seeing people directly impacted by your actions mm-hmm. yep um i mean like i say for me i agree with you but i think momica and her family's purpose specifically is done we don't need any more of them like i don't mind other characters coming back like i think i think it would make sense for example for the next batch of episodes it seems to be two parters sure so after episode six we'll get to episode seven i think the doctor and grace will come back but he'll obviously be like old as fuck but she'll still right. be young and that in itself is an interesting thing to explore in terms of yeah. relationship yeah i mean that's that i'm telling you that's what like the fucking wedding vows like where he said i'll protect you the rest of my life and she said i'll protect you the rest of your life like i'm gonna yeah, outlive you dude to- <laughs> Like, it's yeah, so interesting. Till, 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 till death is due part only really applies to one of two people. Till death really, do you part you know for I mean. me, right? And, and Rackham mm-hmm. says they don't get married in the current in in the new future. Um, and I thought they did, I, but it doesn't I really so matter. Too. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm un- it's unclear to me, but like if not, I think. I mean, I I'm confident the show will. I don't know, make it kind of interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question. Um, this again from Rackham. 
Considering some of the unforeseen changes that have occurred due to the outcome and choices made in Vivi's mission so far, do you believe that her and Matsumoto are making progress to their desired effects, or do you think they're actually speeding things up? Well, the question is, though, like, what is Matsumoto's desired effects here to begin with? Is it legitimately right. to stop the war? Right. Because it seems kind of it seems kind of contradictory that he would have so little affinity or compassion for human life and yet once prevents a war about you know the loss of human life you know does that not seem like you know these things don't really mesh well together well i mean it's interesting you say that i'll have a lot to talk about later i mean i i think it's uh i, I think it's just a new coat of paint on a classic on, on some classic moral dilemmas you know, like mm-hmm. having two options that uh, involve suffering, but uh, one potentially causing more suffering than another. Like, what's the what's your calculus there and how do you figure that? So, yeah, I'll talk a lot about that later. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, insofar as uh, insofar as everything else, like I think the thing to note, though, is we don't even know why the war begins either. Right. I'm actually inclined to think I because you'd think it was the AI being evolved and them deciding fuck the humans we're done, but there is some visual evidence from like the the camera shots we get like when it's meant to be from AI view that suggests they're corrupted somehow. So mm. and we've already seen like the established history that Matsumoto seems so certain of mm-hmm. uh, is not necessarily true, like with the sunrise. So even his own understanding of what was his present could be wrong. Um, you know. Maybe it could be that he himself caused the war to happen. Oh, it's just, super AI. It's a loop. <laughs> and he's just Yeah, and and he's trying to fix it. Um he's trying to fix it, uh, you know, because otherwise it results in like, you know, the wiping out of his race or whatever you gotta call it. Um who knows? Uh, yeah. we need more information before I feel I can concretely answer that. Although, insofar as what we know thus far, uh they're only making things worse by making them better, which is a and again, this show has many contradictions in it by design, and yeah, I like that. Me too. Uh, and that's that's another part of it. Like things look so much better now. Like everyone loves AIs. This is terrible. I know. We've completely fucked it up. Yeah. I mean, it, it calls into question for me, like what so much of the, like the the kind of ethical parsing of what's going on here like hinges on whether or not you think that the causal relationship Matsumoto is attributing to these events holds you know what I mean mm-hmm. like uh does does changing this high level stuff like really make kind of the impact he thinks it's going to and I mean and and does it make does is that what made the impact that we see like the difference I mean it's it's really hard to to get into it but i mean it's interesting to think about i clearly think that they are sort of they may not be making things worse but they are rapidly creating uh worse conditions for themselves to fix things because they are diverting history further and further from the original history so matsumoto's intel (laughs) in terms of like how history played out is going to become less and less reliable much much like his much like his overall tech right i think that that's kind of an interesting aspect of like that they've subtly worked in that uh do you remember the little shutdown bug that dr psyche shows he's like i made this Mm. shut down the whole factory on the island and matsumoto was like oh my god this is amazing. Like I never could have slapped this together. It's like, you know, who, like, I think it's going to be interesting if like, you know, 50 years in the future, 
like, will he be like lagging behind or failing to understand certain <laughs> technologies? You know, um, you, you know what's funny uh, now that you said that little thing there. It's just a vial of red liquid. And I thought, is that meant to be basically the same as like when you rest like a soda cup next to your keyboard and you spill it over it by accident? <laughs> is that what shuts down the entire? Surely island? not. Surely, <laughs> surely it's like nano machines, and it's not uh, I, just the red I wine. <laughs> I spilled my, I spilled my forty on the on the keyboard, and it's ruined oh, the entire the in the entire technological <laughs> island. Whoops. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, uh, that 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 shade coming out is Cherry Baja, <laughs> right? Oh my god! But but they are, they seem to be making things worse, if not in terms of the timeline. Again, in terms of their ability to kind of know what they're doing, <laughs> because things are just very different. They're very different now. Yeah. Was was the island even a thing in? Um... In the original timeline? I think so. That's a question. I think it was. If it, if it, right? If it was, it happened a lot sooner than it, than it did. It did, yeah. So, yeah, he whoops. said that they're... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was also probably like a very, very tiny island in the original timeline. Mm. Could be. More, more like more like a jetty, shall we say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just a tiny, tiny little, like, dinky little warehouse. <laughs> As opposed to this a ba- giant... A basement. This giant... <laughs> Yeah, it was a basement. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh god. All right. Um, just a fact next question. This one. Com- <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, next question comes from Navy Sherub. Matsumoto, what's up with this guy? Mm. How come he keeps failing so spectacularly at denying AI civil rights? Does he have a secret end game, or does he suck at his job that much? Secret end game. It's got to be a secret end game. I'm not buying that everything's as, as given. Again, even and the thing is, like, even then, it might just be the thinks that the war was caused by something where reality was caused by something else. Mm-hmm. And that causes Vivi's like perspective of, I care about like all human lives. I want to hear them, them to hear me sing wins out in the end versus his, the needs just, you know, the ends justify the means. If the, if the road to the future must be paved in blood, then so be it, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, well, I'm going to go. So, sorry, go ahead. Do you finish? No, 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 no. Go oh, after you. So I'm going to go rogue and say, I think it's being played straight. I think that not that he's necessarily bad at his job, but that like, you know, time travel tinkering is uh, difficult because in this universe, anyway, history again is shown as, as a river that will not be easily redirected. Plus also, I think, Oh, I don't think what they're trying to do is as simple as deny the rights versus the AI get the rights. Like, I feel like rather than flipping a switch, they're trying to, they have like a barometer they're trying to adjust to like an appropriate level to Mm. kind of not like see AIs wiped out, but also have them not evolve in such a way that it like freaks people out and they react, right? They, they, They want to direct evolution, like just, just control it and like put a cap on it to where they feel like, humanity can keep pace intellectually and everything with that evolution. And that just seems really hard. I mean, that seems really hard if you're just popping in every decade or so to twiddle some knobs, you know, um, I think it's mm-hmm. tough. Uh, I mean, so, yeah. that, I mean, when you say that, that also speaks to Toke's ineffectiveness because mm. they wouldn't have just, of course, done the instance that we've seen. They would have been active in that time doing other stuff. Uh, and they've clearly made no progress on stopping like the Island or anything like that. Um, 
Yeah. And I think that's actually interesting that even like whether you're armed with the knowledge or not, like actual societal drift or like shifting from one like outcome to another, where like, I mean, let's say for example, like dare I say, changing the opinions of like, you know, a political party's like most fervent supporters. Good luck doing that over the course of even decades. That's a concerted effort. Yeah. And it's it's monumental to do. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that's an interesting idea that like you have these two forces running in parallel trying to shift things and one is certainly more successful than the other, but even when it is, it's in ways they can't possibly uh predict. Mm-hmm. So that's a, certainly a nifty idea. Yes. Um but yeah, I think he's uh, I think Secret Endgame hopefully he's not working for GLaDOS. <laughs> Cube, the I second. Mean, he's- <laughs> Oh no, no. Um, next uh, question comes from Kate Rose. Uh, what do you think this show's core theme or message is? Um, woo, kindness, kindness over kindness and compassion, um, and empathy over um, again ends justify the means. Is my view on that because I, the show again, like you know, all of the successes Vivi has are because she cares about other AI or other people. Mm-hmm. All of the positive things happen as a result of her intervening. Like, like she goes out of way to save that dude from Toke, for example, mm-hmm. even though she doesn't need to in the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, she saves the Momika's sister when she couldn't before. She saves Elizabeth and um, and Estella. Yeah. Um, and indeed, they in turn, like, you know, have their positive moment as they fade, as they, like, burn out. You know, mm-hmm. um, all the bad stuff. All, basically, all the bad stuff is either from Tokes like hatred, or from Matsumoto like saying, "Fuck him, let him all die. It's gotta, it's gotta be done." You know, can't, can't make a, can't make a future omelet without breaking <laughs> right. a few present eggs. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just like you know, uh, it's, it's a character who innately can supposedly feel like emotions or empathy for human beings in a truly offensive way because they are an AI and that relies on our understanding of AI as we see it in a lot of fiction. Um, but it turns out that they are trying to or, or can even and that's what wins the day in the end, you know, versus the mm-hmm. people who don't care about other lives or be they human or AI. So yeah, that's me as the core theme. It's, uh, you know, caring caring and compassion over cruelty and uh, avarice. So my my take on it is slightly different, although like agree with everything that you said, but I think that's a premise in the show's argument. Whereas I think the thematic conclusion they're trying to reach is that um, AI are like as as far as like you know moral agents and also uh, beings that deserve rights are the same as human beings Mm -hmm. because you know that like you have all these different kind of situations where we see them behaving uh indistinguishably from humans like um you know all the ones you talked about we have vivi's search for meaning um you know she has a very kind of existential question that she asks a lot of different ais which is what does putting your heart into something mean? And, you know, she's trying to figure that out. Uh, and it's difficult to answer. It would be difficult to answer for any human being. Um, I think Beth 
is a very interesting character. She's illustrative of like, like it's not just showing like, oh, AI, they could be human. Look at how good they are. It's like they could be human. Like they, they are hu- like human beings in that like they could be very misdirected. They could be. They could have that. Do, they could have our worst qualities. Yeah, because like she's been like, and you you were very right to point out like Beth is created by this system that's like not really kind of uh, good about giving her uh, direction, and she's just discarded. Um, which is, you know, if you think AIs are beings that deserve any kind of rights, is just awful. Um, but like this person comes along and gives Beth a purpose, and like she just attached to him and lives for him and to carry out his uh his orders and like that gives her life direction and meaning because she has you know an objective but like how different is that from a human who like could be found a discarded person found and attach themselves to someone i mean we see this a very tropish thing for like lieutenants of supervillains like they fought you know they seem like they are loyal and like you know, have this sort of code about them, but they're attached to this awful person because it's that awful person that saved them and gave their life direction. Um, I think that there's something very human in that. And then, like, you know, Vivi, like, there's an example of her in episode one and two, kind of, I think she's saying this to Masumoto, but the politician hears her, you know, she says, it doesn't matter how long an AI is active, uh, but it's really about the quality with which they carry out their mission. And that's just so easily translatable to like, you know, life is short, but what really matters is like what you do for other people or, you know, following your dreams or insert sort of other kind of aphorisms and uh, purpose giving, you know, uh, tropes or whatever here. I mean, I just think this show does such a good job at like demonstrating that, um, you know, in so many ways, like AI as imagined by Vivi, the anime, uh, are, uh, are so, so very human. And like, you know, people like Toke in the real world, uh, could probably drill down, right. And be like, well, here's the differences at this very molecular level or this kind of original level. But like, to me, I mean, or, or at a theoretical level even. But like to me, it's like, you know, we talked about, I think, in Girls Last Tour having a generous definition of life. And like the the AI and Vivi are, um, you know, quacking like a duck, walking like a duck and have feathers. So like <laughs> they ought to be treated like ducks. I mean, there's, there's just so little that's indistinguishable that it would just... I mean, I feel like if I was in that society, it would pain me to cause them pain. Um, you yeah. know what I mean? So I think mm-hmm. I think that's the yeah. core idea is that like like everything that you said about the virtue of caring, right, and the vice of of harm, but like I think all that is in service of making uh establishing the idea that that artificial intelligence, you know, as conceived in the future this way, like ought to be afforded rights. Yeah, it is ultimately what we make it. And uh, again, there's no more clear evidence now what happens with Elizabeth and Estella. Because Stella, you know, she's given 
opportunities that Elizabeth is not. Elizabeth is to be a scout. They are otherwise identical. They have the same experiences and all that, but one is to be denied rights, whereas one isn't. It's, it's very, again, very classical, you know, like mm-hmm. Prince Pauper, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, two two twins, two sisters, whatever you're called, two siblings, separate at birth. Uh, environment dictates their response, as it does there. Um, so yeah, it, and again, this ties back to a little bit to Wonder Egg, where Frill is also the products of the people who made her. So all the horrible shit that she did, of course, is in some way the fault of the uh, of her creators. The guys who are just like fuck it, we'll do it because we can. <laughs> the actors. I get. I mean, I, I mean, I, like like I said in that re- in the reviews we did for that part, uh, for that show, um, AI. We have to con- treat conceiving it and bringing it into the world and what we ultimately want it to be in the exact same way as we would if we were bringing life, for lack of a better because it is life mm-hmm. of a source. It's just not life in the way that we might necessarily conventionally think of it. You know, it's not, we don't give birth to AI in the same way we would give birth to a child, for example, like a human baby. Um, but, you know, it's still the products of uh, what we put into it. Um, and yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's a fine idea to have. Essentially, it's a it's a good reminder, if nothing else. Like, I mean, because another thing to go back to one of the early questions we had was like, what other elements of like you know AI stories do we see? It's often that AIs respond violently to aggression by humans to begin with. Like, we're the people, we're the aggressors. Um, the Terminator series for one, the Matrix for another, mm-hmm. uh, and by the way, uh, the island. I couldn't help but think if you've ever seen the Animatrix, the island mm-hmm. uh, in Episode Five is very similar to the island of the machines from the Animatrix. I think it's Robot City One or something. I can't recall. It's been a very, it's been very super, long time super long. It's been like since yeah. that came out since I've seen it. Honestly. Yeah, but that that was also a thing there. So again, wearing your inferences on your sleeve, probably by, not even intentionally, I should say. Just... I mean, that's just in the water at this point. Those like super influential sci-fi works. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they've influenced so much shit that it's it's going to be Absolutely. hard to yeah yeah hard to avoid. Right. Uh, next question from uh, before we answer this Kate question, uh, can we take uh, a short break? Teeny yes. tiny to be break. So. I'm going to refill my drink. All right. All right. BRB. Don't just shoot set browsers. BRB. Hello. We are back. Uh, I have returned. I have a refilled mug of stuff. I don't mm. know. Liquid stuff, I'm just mm. going to call it. I'm not really, I'm not feeling very inventive with drink names today, although I do feel like I want to make a Vivi Fluorite Eye cocktail at some point in the near future. Although, how the hell I'm going to make it look like so the blue. color of that? Uh, it's going to, yeah, aquamarine, you know. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. But anyway, we're not here, we're not here to talk about like you know potentially dangerous alcohol mixes. We're here to talk about Vivi Flora I song. We have one final question from our patrons here from Kate Rose, and it goes like this: the use of AI characters and themes of trying to change the future have been covered many times already. What makes this show stand out to you in this regard? The thing I'm going to point to immediately is Vivi herself as a character because she is. I can't recall the last time I've ever seen someone who's basically a theme park performer be a protagonist, be they an AI or not. Hmm. Um, I'm sure people could mention maybe uh, I was thinking Zombieland then, but even then I don't think that's necessarily true. I'm thinking of something else. Um, and also that we're getting to see like this journey going for, uh, for all the decades. I mean, again, Bison said I've done that before, but yeah, it, it's... It's really interesting. It feels to me like a mashup of, say, a Macross and Nero Thomas in that way where mm-hmm. we have this very specific role that she fills where she gets to sing and all that, but also she does all the action stuff. And it's it feels very unique and very refreshing in that respect. 
it would have been all too easy, I think, to write this show in such a way where Vivi could very well still look the same, but she was just simply a factory worker. Like, because when you think of AI and robots particularly, you tend to think of them in more manual labor terms. Indeed, we do see robots doing that throughout much of the show thus far. We have drones, we have the giant construction robots in uh, the end of episode two. Um, and this is good times we'll talk about again soon, but what we tend to see here is actually AI specifically being made, for the most part, or put into positions of caring mm-hmm. for other humans. Yeah. Um, be that in terms of entertaining them, um, looking after them, uh, hospitality. We're not seeing, for example, AI scientists, AI uh, anything that anything that's essentially outside of what I'm going to call. Um, how do I put this? Uh, basically, anything outside. Of, we don't see any mathematical science ones or any hard labor ones or anything like that. Any manufacturing just ones. It's the maintenance just, man. In the first, few yeah, we don't see but... any of that stuff, which is an, which is a refreshing and interesting perspective. I think mm-hmm. it's all. I mean, it's all too easy to say to have them be like you know characters who are in those roles, but no, Vivi is a singer, and that is a fascinating thing to do, especially for someone who's as early generation as she is. Uh, and the show does a really good job of showing like her progression throughout that, which should also be a point I'll bring up in a little bit. But yeah, like that's the thing that sticks out to me is just her unique position, yeah, um, and her her profession. It. It somehow works, even though you'd think it'd be really bizarre to have a theme park performer be this basically uh, defender of the future. It's very odd when you put it mm-hmm. together, but the show makes it work, yeah. and I'm quite impressed by that. Um, I think to, to directly just bounce off of what you just said, I, I think like I'm I'm really happy there's not a lot of uh, you know techno babble and shit because I think the show is uh is all the better for it you know it makes it stand out a little bit Vivi, your positronic <laughs> brain is off the charts exactly, yeah. see that I, I think it's like relative to its like peers i think it's that does the show credit and, and i think doubly so because the show is like about like emotions and emotional storytelling um so i'm good with it uh, so w- what do I think makes it stand? So I think everything that we've talked about to this point, like and t- that Kate mentioned too, like the the time travel stuff and presenting AIs in a credible way, like and raising theoretical questions about uh, our future, kind of cohabitating with AI. That's all really, really competent, if not very good. Like the baseline is very high of, of competency in terms of everything the show tries to execute. Um, two things I think give it a kind of a unique flavor um, are like you you mentioned Vivi, but specifically I'll say her interplay with Matsumoto. Um, I think is really intriguing. I mean, it's funny, right? And there's there's levity there. It can also be quite chilling. Um, yeah, it, it can be a little bit. Um, uh, you know he he's really good about um like his kind of coldness can induce like a feeling of uh dread and like you said like oh man this is what Toke is is afraid of <laughs> this sort of uncaring uh kind of like this being making calculations All with powerful. other people's lives based on nothing more than like a line of code but Vivi is showing that like not all AI kind of uh, like that there's more than one kind of conception of AI like you know she she sort of is operating under the same mission as um, as uh, Matsumoto. They're sort of different. Like, you know, his is directly stop the war. Hers is keep people smiling. 
to accomplish that, she needs to accomplish Matsumoto's mission. So it's sort of a submission of hers. But it's interesting that they have the same goal, but like they interpret those objectives so differently and employ different methods and have different conceptions of what it means to succeed. Um, which it's super fucking human <laughs> to have two people yeah. have this uh, two two entities have the same information and absorb the same stimuli, but go these totally different ways. Um, another thing that I think is really great about the show uh, is the structure. Um, I really like the two part kind of uh, episodic is not quite the right word because there's a really serialized. No, it's not. It is serial. That's the thing is like it sort of walks a line between being serialized uh, and being more kind of self-contained stories like because there's a strong through line throughout. But like but also like you get kind of a sense of closure every couple of episodes like the structure is so so neat that they have with the, the whole time thing like basically is you have this future endpoint, right, that Matsumoto sets out like. This thing is going to happen, and it's very bad um, because it's going to lead to the downfall of civilization. Okay, how are we going to get there? How are we going to stop it? Like, we have a rough idea because Matsumoto says we need to do X, Y, and Z, but we are shown over and over again that things turn out differently. Like, there's all these variables. Like, there are things at play that Matsumoto either is not telling uh, Vivi or just hasn't accounted for. And so how we get there and how we end up kind of preventing what's going to happen from happening is so, I mean, it just gives the show like a really cool hook to me. And it's really, it it keeps me going. Like if if sometimes I might think like, well, this is getting a little meandery here and like the middle 10 minutes of episode one of a two parter, it's like, I can focus my mind and be like, well, I know what's eventually this is going to lead to some real shit. Like there's some stakes. Um, and so yeah. that's really, I know for me, been, been a, a great thing about the show. It's, um, just re- those kind of anchors and keeping, uh, keeping it, um, like there's momentum there, uh, in, in the way that it's telling the story and the way that it breaks it up is just so nice. I'm into that. Yeah. 100% agreed. Right, um, that brings us to the end of our patron questions. So thank you very much to all of our lovely patrons who contributed. Um, covered most of my time, but I do have a do have a handful of smaller ones okay. left that I want to bring up, though. Uh, so I'm going to get right into those now, actually. Do it. The first one I want to bring up is... Um, I don't think this was intentional on the show's part, but I did really like this little element, which is... I actually kind of thought the show was being a little satirical about the nature of theme parks. Okay. In that they felt they could replace the performers with androids. Because Ugh. I mean I mean, I make I make no aspersions or like I don't mean to like obviously slander people who are performers at theme parks, but I think for some of them it would be the case of like, you know, they're not doing it in the same way as an actual like fully invested musician would where they're doing it for the art, shall we say? Mm-hmm. If you're doing like the same routine week in, week out um on stage whatever where you have to play darth vader and you're doing breakdancing or whatever uh, if you're at disney i don't think you i mean maybe some people are maybe they're not but i found it I how just dare found you it, accuse I just found it, people of, of uh of just greed whatever you know they're taking up a residence in vegas you know for the art of it for the craft mm-hmm. to pursue higher lofty visions 
of what music could be. But I, I, I just think it's really, I just think it's really interesting how oh, um, we're gonna have this singer appear on, you know, we're having a singing android uh, rather than actual human singer, as it would be at the start of that that timeline, because um, that's how the park views its performers, like they views them as replaceable with like androids, you know, um, even when. Ultimately, Vivi is not really all that popular to begin with, <laughs> which which is kind of... I just thought that there was something satirical about it I really liked. I mean, I know that the show doesn't really want to go into, either by design or otherwise, into the reasons why Toke don't like androids and all that, but I just found it interesting that this is place has literally placed all of their human staff, save for the like, specialists, like the guy who does the maintenance on Vivi, with androids. Mm-hmm. Uh, be- and I think it just really speaks to like how, you know, oh, these people are disposable, you know, we can replace them with a facsimile of a person. <laughs> and I don't mean to be disparaging towards Vivi by saying that, but I think that's clearly their intent by playing it. Like she was made for that specific purpose to be a performer for, you know, the park, not to have a rich and full life. So right. yeah, there's something that I just found really, I found really neat. And I don't think the show intended that, but I thought... I like that. That's a that's a nice little bit of satire just chucked in there, whether intentionally or not, um, about theme parks and the way that corporations view the people inside theme parks. That they, like you know, their performances don't have any like as they see anyway. They don't have any like actual art or authenticity mm-hmm. behind them, and that's why we can replace them with a machine. Right. Well, I mean, I think that's like not only the way that it's going to go, but the way it should go. Probably. I mean that. Not just dangerous human labor, but like rote or uncreative human labor should be automated so that you and I and everyone could be like freed up to do uh, work that is. And when I say work, I just mean to uh, pursue projects. Podcasts. Right? Yeah. That, <laughs> to pursue projects and, and, and uh, kind of exercise our creativity and do worthwhile acts um and i mean this goes back to like like you said the whole conception of like the necessity of having a job to live and all this other stuff that should be changed but yeah anyway i was gonna ramble so So, i'm gonna cut off my ramble now (laughs) the political ramble about automation yeah so small point but i i like that yeah that was quite uh quite incisive on their part Mm -hmm. so um so you talked about the show not punching as hard as it could, in your opinion. Mm. So for me, I think that that might actually be one of its virtues. I mean, I know that like people like you and Alex on here oftentimes joke and say like subtleties for cowards and all this stuff, or sub. To, and I like, I mean, I can appreciate the sort of you know Hiroyuki Imaishi trigger way of doing things. Like I'm into that shit. But I also think that subtlety is not uh, only for cowards. I mean, I think that there are, <laughs> there's actually a lot of credit in subtle, nuanced writing that is not pushing the envelope too. Not not pu- pushing the envelope's not right because I think the show is creative. What I mean is, it's not like forcing you to feel a certain way, and that was a thing that I think I really appreciated and continue to appreciate about older science fiction anime. And kind of anime in general, a lot in a lot of cases, is that you know it presents you with a lot to think about, but it's not sort of saying like, 
fuck these people and these people rule and like here's some mood music to indicate that you should feel this way like you know what i mean like it's um may, may i may i stop you there when i say punching with its weight i was mostly referring to giving toke like a concrete reason like an ideology i'm not referring to like smash bang trigger like heavy action or anything like that or where salty stuff i actually want this to be more salty where i can look at toke and say hey they have an ideology behind them they have grievances personal grievances even like that guy keeps for your period like what's his investment he clearly going there at a young age so when i say punching a boy's way i'm not talking about bombast i'm actually on the same page as you I wish there was mm. more of it, and that's why I say I wish that Toke had an, an ideology. Yeah. Doesn't that be what I agree with? I mean, I guess I just I want to... I, I don't necessarily think that you have to have like provide the viewer with copious amounts of detail and specific nuggets of information, like of that kind, to be to to exercise like kind of a deft writing hand, like and be. Um, and, and not to kind of hit people over that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't think giving a bunch of details like the only way to do it. Um, you know, I think at times showing restraint or perhaps being vague or ambiguous or maybe not providing detail is like can be the right way to go and can provide more food for thought and more, uh, uh, more points of interest because i i for one do not find toke any less interesting at all because they're not saying you know robots took our jabs like i, I just think that the, there's our jabs what did they did they, they get vaccinated <laughs> robots took our jabs <laughs> bastards they took our jabs they can't even catch they can't even catch the rona and they got vaccinated <laughs> the pricks right right well i mean they're not reenacting the the shoe store scene um from asimov but and like that's that is a way to like you know provide like some crunchiness to the story and like per, like give uh things to talk about and idea but like i don't know to me like uh toke are still like super interesting be- because you know for the very reasons that you are saying you're disappointed in them and i guess it's sort of a different strokes thing but i just i guess like you know i don't think it's like a like different a, tokes to different folks. Well, I just didn't think it's a failing on the part of the story. No, I I mean, look, I, I again, I have to clarify, like, I still am positive on the show. And I said at the very beginning, like, I don't know if this is me, like, not approaching it on its own terms or not. I mean, I, I'll get to my, I'll, if you'll allow me, I'll actually get to my point about Toke that I was going to bring up now, though, in sure. relation to that dude whose name I can't remember. Yeah, I don't think they Yos- give his Yosemite. name. They don't give his name. I, I think they I think they do, oh, but check. I can't remember it, but it's only mentioned once. But anyway, you all know the guy. He's the guy with the skies, the guy who like has Bibby's blood on him at one point. Um so here's the thing, right? His initial uh time with Toke in the first two episodes is we're gonna blow up this fucking building and we're gonna kill this guy. We're gonna shoot him dead repeatedly. Because he does a thing he's gonna do a thing we don't want. And in the next two episodes their plan is to frame AIs by dropping the Sunrise Hotel uh, into the ocean. Um, right. And the thing is, though, right... Five years, or no, 15 years is, later, I guess. Right? Yeah. yeah they they have a plan um, led by this guy who's now not an underling. He's actually leading them, uh, which is important. Yeah. Um, and the plan is actually really quite interesting in that not only are they going to drop the hotel into the ocean because of this AI, 
They're going to remain behind and give their lives. And why would they do that, you might wonder? What what the hell is going on here? And I think there's actually a really interestingly subtle shift in their um in the way they're doing things, because as um Beth points out, why not drop the thing on a city? Why not leave the people in the hotel on the mm-hmm. hotel? You know? Because if the hotel drops out of the sky and there's no one on board, oh no, it was a tragic accident due to a malfunctioning AI, but no one's actually dead. Right. I mean, you know, if if a train derails, for example, but no one's hurt, is that really a big deal? I mean, it's a big deal, but is, is it as big a deal as it would be if people sure. died in it? Can I just say really, and so, just real quick, uh, Mal does not list that guy as a named character. He's he's only only Matsumoto, Vivi, Estella, Grace, and Ophelia are on there as characters. I find that hilarious because that's so telling about how much of a uh, how much he participates in this story thus far because it has been very peripheral to be fair. I mean, he's, a, he, he's like, his role They just in... haven't named him. I'm gonna do the Wikipedia he, no, he... and see if they. Uh, named anyway, him. I no, don't the, think that they have. The, the, the point. The point is though. Um, yeah, no, Wikipedia. He has no name. Like they's not listed as a character, but he's important. This Yo- Yosemite, we'll call him then. So Yosemite, like uh, he, you know, he and his, he and his men are going to stay behind, and that's to actually then, you know, provide the deaths that are necessary to give this tragedy more emotion to it, more emotiveness. Um, uh, Rackham's Prize, Kakitani. Okay. It must have been mentioned. I guess I'm fairly, so. I feel fairly confident. Why didn't no one write it down? Um, <laughs> because they don't consider him important character. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> anyway, but so the point yeah, is, yeah, right, no, he's in that. the summaries, but just not in the character list. So he he's gonna like you know sacrifice his own life for that, and I actually think that's a notable shift in the way that they operate from the first two episodes to the the mm-hmm. next pair because they're not going to sacrifice other people's lives their agenda they're going to sacrifice their mm-hmm. own not just him actually it's like they're all going to do it they're all completely on board with this the only reason it doesn't happen is because beth's like well that's in contradiction with my mission as a life giver for you yeah. you know yeah. um and so i actually really really like that because i think in some way without that like, without hugo kakasani that's mm-hmm. his full name without hugo and missing it i think he has taken vivi's like saving of oh, his no life doubt. on board and I actually think that's a really brilliantly subtle change. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I mean, I still think he's mostly peripheral because, to be fair, his presence in episodes three and four is not for mostly for that reason, but more because he's the inciting element behind what um, Elizabeth is doing. Yeah. Um. So that's his main purpose there. But I still think that's a really, really interesting and subtle uh, shift in the way Toke operates. That I think really goes to show that even though he still hates AI, he has still been profoundly affected by one that saved his life. Mm-hmm. that's a really really neat yeah. thing i think oh sorry i thought you were gonna what was your what was your beef you're gonna continue about your your beef with toke uh my beef with toke is i wish they had an ideology i've I'm not, i don't i'm i mean i think they, the i mean they day, clearly I do right i mean like we're just not told well, what, what is it is but like but again i think that that's I don't think we that the viewer has to be provided with every piece of information to have a believable or a credible or a good story. I mean, I think it's so, I don't know, it's just easy. It's so easy for me to like imagine this as, again, a, some kind of reactionary protest, um, you know, born of an amorphous blob of, of reasons that remains active through the years because they're just hatred in there. I mean, how, why do you, how... 
how do you explain the hatred, right? I mean, they clearly hate AI. Like, it's like it sort of doesn't really matter what their justification is in some ways. We just, all we need to know, and all we're like really in some ways, is that they hate AI. And that's clearly demonstrated. So, yeah, like, it, and that doesn't make it more simplistic for me. I think it, like, I don't know, gives, I have to kind of play a more active role in kind of, uh, of, of thinking about and framing Toke. And I don't think that that's like headcanon. I think it's just like taking what's on the screen and what's presented and like making a coherent thing out of it. Mm-hmm. I think I'm. I think we'll have to agree to disagree. It's like say different different tokes for different folks no. as I say. Very oh, good. Oh, Very yeah. Good. The, the, the joke. The jokes too. The tokes. Um, tokes and tokes. And the thing is, I still do agree with you that they, the way that you framed it works. But my final thing that I'll say before we move on from it is, why not both? But I'll leave it there. Because I think it would be. Disagree. I think it could be worse. I think it would be worse if it was both. If they gave a concrete reason, in my opinion, I think it would be worse. Fair enough. Right, what's your next talking point, Doc? Um, oh, do you have another one? Because that was, we were talking about I me. do. Um, or I guess no, that was you. Okay, so I can go. I'll go. Um, okay, so I've talked about like what I think are the big foreground themes um, already. We've, we've touched on those. Um, AI is human and history and fate, you know, as fate as a thing to be fought up against and the structure and BB search for meaning. But like, I think there's a really interesting background theme, sort of a, a looming question, as I've labeled it in my notes, uh, which is like the show, its examination of two ways of thinking about ethics. Because Matsumoto and Vivi have to solve, like they have this ethical question they have to, that they're addressing, right? Like the... The war, AI wiping out human beings, they're they're saying is is bad, right? So they have to they have to fix that. They have to like take actions to address that. And some of these actions bring about some some bad consequences. And some of these actions are going against what appear to be like unquestionable goods. And I think this leads to a lot of really interesting questions. And even if you don't think that they're interesting in this context, I think like taking a lot of the the framework that I'm about to talk about and like applying it to other situations, like can be really interesting. But I do think this show raises some interesting examples of like these two approaches to ethics that are in modern times, like often the two approaches to ethics that are battling it out, right? For in moral philosophy, uh, in philosophy departments among ethicists and moral philosophers. And that's like consequentialism, mainly sort of typified by util- utilitarianism. And then uh, uh, a sort of duty-based ethics, which is uh, commonly known as deontology. It's a Greek word for like, you know, the, the science of duties. Um, and utilitarianism is concerned with like maximizing the good, Shadon. Um, concerned with and most of them kind of define it in terms of like a pleasure pain sense like the most amount of pleasure the least amount of pain for the most people try to make so in other words in other words in the context of the show like that would be Matsumoto's perspective because for him 
killing the odd person to stop the war and save like it's a numbers thing you know the needs of the many and all that. It, the needs of the many totally right i mean that's that's what a both an act utilitarian which is someone who just makes that calculation based on an action per action basis and a rule utilitarian who wants to make moral precepts um that are generalizable would we'll think about it in that way like is it is our actions you and and by the way these two kind of moral philosophies about how a person should act are should be distinguished from something like virtue ethics or some forms of classical ethics which are more about what kind of person you should be rather than sort of action based but like getting back to this um definitely matsumoto represents the utilitarian voice like he's totally the consequentialist it doesn't matter what the choice that you make is as long as it leads to you know um a net positive on the pleasure pain scale for humanity and Mm -hmm. so that's there and and vivi is is following along with that but if you think about it in real life, I mean, just take a, a moment, I think, to think about like what the, what, what the thing that they're doing in episode one. We'll take the episode one as an example. They are like trying to make a bill that would recognize AI rights fail. Give them names. Right. Mm-hmm. That would lead to AI rights. The AI naming bill trying to to make it fail. It seems like an unquestionable good though. Like and people would say it's good, but I think people would not argue that it's good from a pleasure pain point of view, a calculate. I think people would just say this is the right thing to do. And yes. where that comes from, the idea of right versus wrong is a deontological idea that you have moral duties where do they come from i mean different you ask a different deontologist they'll tell you different things right but like hard-coded into reality some way or other like there are like moral things and immoral things like right and wrong and like regardless of like the pain it might like produce that something is still right or wrong solely based on whether or not that choice lines up with, you know, the moral principles of the world. So I don't know, like I, uh, what's a great example? Like, um, gosh, I'm trying to think of another real world kind of example, but I'm very bad at coming up with these on the fly, but I guess just like, if you think about Vivi, like it really does seem like signing this bill is unquestionably good because it's leading to more rights for people. But like, would we in the real world? I mean, of course, they have the benefit of hindsight via time travel and everything like that. Mm. But that's what provides us. That's what makes these questions interesting is like the show is positing that there's a causal relationship between doing the right thing and bad outcomes. And so Matsumoto seems to be clearly operating from this basis of like the outcomes are what matter. 
And I'm just wondering if like Vivi is going to push up against that in some way eventually and be like, like, well, yes, like we need to stop the war, but along the way, things we do, maybe the out, maybe the sort of like treating everything as like this math equation isn't the right way to go. Maybe like we should do it for a different reason or I don't know, but like the show at this point hasn't really come out and said, you know, this one way of thinking about ethics is good and this way is not right uh, or this way is inferior. And I don't want to like say that yay or nay either, but I just think it's interesting. And to, to illustrate the difference, I guess is like um, to think about deontology. um, They think about like, instead of again, the collective good, they think right or the right with a capital R it's said to have priority over the good. If an act is not in accord with the right, it may not be undertaken, no matter the good that it might produce. Um, and it's really Matsumoto is just like flying in the face of that. And we'll see, I think, whether or not his approach is the right one, whether or not it pans out. You know, I just think it's interesting. I mean, you pointed this out that like some of these choices just appear to be self-contradictory. You know, at on well, the face I mean, of it, just, they're like going to, against their own interests or principles. But the idea is like, yeah, they're not operating on a principle based uh, calculus. They're looking at it in terms yeah. of like total lives lost. And that's it, I think. Which feels well, bad I mean, a lot of the time. Though, the, Sorry, go ahead. The, the, the episodes have already demonstrated demonstrably proven though that Massimo's perspective is wrong although it's not wrong for the reasons that you point out because he in episodes three and four he he said to vivi destroy estella right job done uh-huh. if she if she had done that and got on the escape pod what would have happened to i mean the, the same afterwards? thing the exact same event would have occurred yeah right? because because yeah so it's interesting how like uh also here Absolute knowledge of the future isn't necessarily true, all right? Totally. I mean, I think back to, again, Terminator 2, and, like, one of the things that I don't think a lot of people speak about in that film is the fact that Sarah Connor in that film basically does what the Terminator plans to do, which is use existing knowledge and go back to murder someone to else the future, which, is, of course, in this case, is Miles Dyson. Yeah. Um, But, like, it turns out that killing him wouldn't actually change anything anyway, because you know there's still all the files and research left elsewhere simply knowing who you think is directly responsible doesn't actually for an event uh doesn't ultimately mean that taking them out of the equation or removing them will solve the problem yeah. um it's more complicated than that and so already it's proven Matsumoto is incorrect not even just because of an ethical perspective but more just because like you can't rely on established history and i think that's a really like neat thing that Vivi mm-hmm. has established as far as the show in that even if you know with absolute certainty as an AI, like as they would, because they're obviously not like foul, they're not subject to foul memory. Like well, they have established facts as they mm-hmm. know it. Like history, it misses out so much detail. It does, and, it re- and, and it's it's a really it's really really interesting. Well, and then just like I was saying before, their conception of causality in, in terms of history is really intriguing because they really are operating on this idea that like you know, I guess (laughs) like events, like you can metaphysically speaking, cordon off these objects called events, right? They can, an event, you can't break an event down into its constituent parts. 
you have event <laughs> and events directly affect other events, which directly affect other events. That seems to be the model they're operating on, right? And like, there's a direct relationship and this is what Matsumoto's like theory is. And so if we change this one at the base, then we can avoid the ones further out. But like, I mean, I think you and I know that like causality is like this, I don't know, it's a lot more complicated and not really as deterministic. There's elements of randomness in the universe at play in terms of a quantum perspective. Also, like I, I feel I I feel like we really should just play that scene from Soul Reaper no. that I mentioned because it's just great. Yeah. And I'm gonna after the, after the pod, I'm gonna link it to you because it's just great. When well, there's like so um, many, you know, small kind of like there's a lot of different things that go into. I, I think the event as simple unit conception of of history is like bogus because <laughs> there's like all these individuals doing things like there's like interdependent causes and it's just way more complicated and to be fair it that's way too complicated i think a level for an anime probably to get into um but like uh i don't know um i think yes matsumoto is wrong because he has kind of the wrong He's been proven wrong so far because his model of history is incorrect, but I'm interested in if the show thinks that he's ethically mistaken. Yeah, if if the, if the his uh, perspective is... Yeah, I agree. Um, it'll be interesting to see going forward, and I think it'll... The funny thing is, I, I agree with you there, but that also means that I hope we don't end up finding out that he has a secret agenda. Mm-hmm. Because if he does, then it, it would undermine... Yeah, him. oh yeah, um, it would be a different thing. I think... I think yeah, I think it would be better if he legitimately was doing what he like his goal as stated. It just turned out he had a shitty way of going about it, as opposed to well, actually, I was planning this all along. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and we, if we're to believe the very first scene, it would appear that Matsumoto has legitimately been set up to save the human race, right? Because like you have that professor with the bloody shoulder running you know, into a room to activate, uh, he's like typing messages to Vivi, setting up Matsumoto, it seems. And like, you know, everyone really, everyone is saying like, what are they saying? Like, are you okay? Or do you have a problem? That's the, that, that's the AI. And then like, yeah. and then it's like, if, if you say that you're unhappy or you have a problem, they just kill you. <laughs> like, and so the, the graphic is fuck that yeah. opening Ooh, scene, by the way, grizzly stuff. I mean, like, I mean, the, the drones are just flying straight into people mm-hmm. and just decapitating them. It's horrific. Um, and in the meanwhile, like you've got the performer on the main stage going like, "Hey, everyone, hope you're having a good time." Surreal the whole, as like, shit. The whole stadiums on. It's God. so whack, and that's why it's I like think. Burning. And that's why I think it's not as it's not as clear cut as like you know the AI taking up guns. So something weird is going on. Yeah. Um, which has me intrigued. I'm very intrigued. Okay. Um. I am too. And I, I think that's a great point by you about the ethical frameworks there. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that pans out. And again, I hope that it is legitimately the Massimo. So it's like, I'm doing this for that reason, just not for the right reasons, you know, if that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, he's he has a legit goal he wants to reach. It's just like, and for him, the conditions of success are different. Whereas I guess you could paint Vivi's mission as more of a deontological kind of framework because, you know, she's concerned about seeing smiles on faces. Um, She wouldn't, for instance, like, be interested in saving everyone if that meant 
you know, they were alive and, I don't know, slaves to the AI and suffering or, like, in some way, like, un- unhappy. Which, I, I mean, I guess that kind of dovetails with Matsumoto. I have to think about it some more. But it does seem like this whole idea of, like, everyone needs to be smiling. I don't know. I think that there's a way to skew that where it's more uh of a of a moral duty than a um utilitarian calculation but i could be off base on that we'll see we'll see okay uh my next talking point i want to talk about the end scene or one of the end scenes of episode two um because this is a scene that has something really great and also something that i feel is kind of not great at the same time um to go through it the scene in question is when, and this, the, the editing, by the way, was very jarring because we cut to this all of a sudden. I don't know if that was just because they were running out of time in like fitting all the material they needed to, or because they felt it would be more shocking this way. Um, but essentially, um, we cut from like Matsumoto and Vivi like having shook hands to Matsumoto having possessed a giant construction robot, throwing her around in a factory somewhere. <laughs> like I don't even know how they got. I there. really like that, that was, cut. That was that's cool. I, I was into that. It was. I was I was very yeah, jabber, but that's too. not the reason I'm bringing this up. Mm-hmm. So, the thing I like about this, firstly, is I like the idea of the role reversal, because Matsumoto has taken the form of a teddy bear, which is a toy, mm-hmm. you know, something that Vivi can just pick up and throw on, and now he, in turn, is throwing her around yeah. like a doll. I think that's a really great reversal of that. I think that's an excellent. Monokuma. <laughs> but I also, th- I also think it speaks to one of the issues I kind of have with the show and its act- reliance on action, which is, the action is great, but it's being delivered in a very physical sense. And what do I mean by that? So in the first two episodes, Vivi is constantly saying to Matsumoto, remove yourself, oh. don't like, you know, don't get in my head, all that sort of stuff. Are you okay, the Doc? You look like you're about to Yeah, no, please continue. Cool. I wouldn't I wasn't sure if you were like just like having a marriage, like, oh here he fucking goes again. <laughs> what a bastard. Um so, like, Vivi says in the first two episodes, like, remove yourself, are there any viruses, you know, like, am I being corrupted, mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff. She seems deeply afraid of mental invasion, for, for the phrase I'll use for yeah. this. Um, physical harm, not so much. She does, after all, take the bullet for the assemblyman. She throws herself underneath the giant, like, you know, falling debris, yep. slab of debris. As her arms so, torn off by uh, yeah, uh, Beth. Yeah, so... The thing that gets me though is I like that see that action moment where Matsumo throws her around mm-hmm. as a doll mm-hmm. because it's a great role reversal, but it also feels like the language of violence here is very physical as opposed to what it really should have been, which is him assaulting her digitally, mentally, whatever you want to call it. And there is already an existing framework in the show for that to have happened in the archive. I could, for example, envision rather than showing that scene. Um, where the machine, like the giant robot, throws around. Imagine if in the archive a gigantic Matsumoto teddy bear just started wrecking the place and throwing her around in the digital realm. I think that would have worked and it would have gelled together with her concerns of being like mentally violated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's strange. It feels like the the action doesn't necessarily gel with the conflict, so to speak, mm. or what's been set up before. And I, I think that's weird because I get what they're going for with the subversion of like, you know, the toy becomes the person in charge and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, he really shows his claws, but they could have done it better. And this also to me ties a little bit into what happens with the fight between Beth and Vivi in episode four. It's a great fight, 
I really, really like the visual element of like, I mean, I think the um, the chat from A&M mentioned this as well, but like, all oh, the electricity, like she's been overclocked, mm-hmm. like she's barely holding it together. But I think it's going to look better in post, also think, by the way. I think they'll touch it up for the yeah. Blu-rays and it'll look better. It was a little choppy they, looking. They, they, it was a bit choppy, but I liked it I nonetheless. But I, couldn't help but, but I couldn't help but think to myself afterwards, like, could the fight have been done in a way that wasn't literally about like stylish action? I like. Could they have had a fight in the archive somehow where things could have been more imaginative? I, I mean, these are AIs we're talking about here. Why is it so focused on physical bodies when physical bodies are something they don't care about? But it seems like the AIs are most concerned with being corrupted digitally or fought digitally. I I don't know if this is like uh being overly focused on the language of like action in terms of like physical combat mm-hmm. as opposed to what it could be like if it were more imaginative. I think this is more pronounced in the scene with Matsumoto and Vivi rather than with Bethany. I mean, Vivi having like this combat program makes perfect sense because she was given that by Matsumoto. Where the fuck did Beth learn how to fight, though? You'd think that you think that Vivi would have dismantled her. I mean, you could invent all the reasons you want for that, mm-hmm. but I mean, if it were also in the digital like realm, then it could be a question of willpower: whose will is stronger, whose mission is stronger, that kind of thing. You know, it could be a representation of will. Oh, I hate that. I don't um, like that though, because that's a might makes right situation where it's like I. That's one thing, as opposed to as 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 opposed to Vivi headbutting her and knocking her out. Well, sure, um, but like you said, they both are in like equal in terms of it's it's a well maybe they're not equal in terms of skill, but like I'm just not a big fan of the whole like shonen trope of like the good guy is the good guy. Um, and people are convinced that his philosophy is right because he beats them up in a fight. Um, I, I just not a you know because I'm not a consequentialist. Like I'm not into the battle of wills deciding what is correct. Well, they are AIs. It is a battle of their wills as opposed to them being worn out physically and such, unless they're literally decapitated. Um, but it, well, it's That's a physical like- battle, not like a willpower battle. I mean, it's different, like, when you're talking about it in the abstract realm, what's literally, like, their willpowers are fighting. Like, I'm, I'm good with it well, being, it like, be a cool digi- be, karate fight. It would be that it would be their digital personas, and that can look... look and it was, like, a matter like, of luck know, as well, because Matsumoto struck her with a virus. Remember, Matsumoto yeah, put, that's uh, true. put a virus on Beth. Yeah. Yeah. And she was distracted. Um, I just think and in that, that way, she could be... Because what it was our undoing was that she was distracted by Stella's armband. Not that her will was was in, will to carry out her mission was any less strong. Um, I, I get, again, she, I, as I, I should stress here, I don't think it's as as prominent a problem to me as it was in the Matsumoto versus Vivi thing, but it just felt like a symptom of the similar thing where it feels like the creators, for all the imagination, they point to all these worlds and timelines and stuff, like the action is very much still punch kicky stuff when there's yeah. avenues to go elsewhere well, i think that would dehumanize I, the ai more and the ai like the big thing about the show is that they are human <laughs> in every real sense that matters they're human do you mean they do you mean they occupy the same physical spaces as well because mm-hmm. i suppose in a sense like i mean obviously i would portray it's about animating the show but you can imagine like if you were like that girl uh God, what was her name again? Momoka's sister. Oh, um, the sister. Okay. Yeah, Momoka's sister. Yeah. Like, you can imagine, like, you know, if if she, like, when the scene when um, Elizabeth first meets Vivi and tries to kick her and punch her, 
like if they just stood there and had like this dueling mind battle it would obviously be a bit weird (laughs) but i i just think i just think that there are i think that like if this is meant to be about like ai and what ai can do keeping them limited inside a physical body and not going further than that when there is an open avenue for them to do that with the the archive to me feels like a missed opportunity and again i should stress i like the action scenes i think they're Mm -hmm. good uh, but I think it's most pronounced in the Matt Smith and Vivi one where I don't want to be mentally harmed. But then like the point at which Matt Smith assumes his dominance over her is through physical doesn't doesn't gel to me, doesn't doesn't marry up. Um well if you how do I say this? So I think it is important for us to leave our assumptions at the door for this new show about what AI are and what the world is like and things like that. I really do think that the archive is just like a communication network. I don't think it's a world. I don't think it's, um, you know, that any, they haven't talked about consciousness uploading. You know, it's not like a transhuman thing where a human being could upload their consciousness there. It appears to just be a visualization for a communication network that, um, you know, like a, like a NAS drive that certain intelligences have access to. And uh, rather than just have a screen and show text, they want it to be visually interesting. So they show her walking around a file cabinet or whatever. Um, That's just what it seems like to me. And I think, again, rather than just purely a lack of imagination, although it could be that, I really do think it's like they're trying to humanize the AI. And, um, oh, you said something else earlier that I wanted to respond to. What was it? Um, your bank account details uh, and uh, uh-huh. transfer yep, money yep. over. I'll give those to you in a moment give, out give loud me, give me, on give the me, podcast. Give me money, <laughs> money, 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 money. Um, oh, sorry, it's all right. Uh, you you can you can just DM to me afterwards. It's no. fine. Oh <laughs> uh, shoot, I wish I could remember, but but I just um, I guess in a in a general in a general sense, like I, I just find myself being given what the goal of the show appears to be thematically um more charitable to this uh approach so it it, the yeah Uh, i i mean so the the whole like what we're shown first i guess like you said is is uh vivi being hacked by matsumoto um uh and and i don't know if it seems like you place a lot of importance on that um she says many times throughout these episodes like am i being hacked like are there any abnormalities like she places great emphasis and so is the show on her mental or digital integrity as opposed to a physical like integrity her body whatever i lose an arm i'll put a new mm -hmm. one on i get shot whatever i i throw myself underneath a giant slab of concrete whatever mm-hmm. i don't care like if that's the thing that she cares about and so to me it feels like they could have done that scene between her and Matsumoto in a way that would have emphasized that rather than being about oh i'm gonna toss her around like you know a ragdoll which works in its own way as i say that that is a, it was good a jarring hard cut and i mean you're you're right like yes like but i i, I guess like again i just sort of see it as like i mean you don't if you're a computer you don't want to be hacked and if your body is, you know, parts of it are more replaceable, you know, that is a difference between AI and humans. That's like a, like a physical difference where you don't have to worry about that as much. Um, 
So why did they have that physical fight <laughs> with the crane? I mean, it is interesting. Uh, I mean, I see your, I do see your point there. I guess like the idea is if you take my meaning that if, if you assume like I do that the archive, that there's not some kind of digital world where their consciousnesses are at play and their bodies are at rest, that it's just like a visualization of their brains working while their bodies can still operate. Um, unless, you know, you, you can use the brain to shut down the body in a human. You could do the same in an AI. Um, what Matsumoto was trying to do was prevent Vivi from going after Momoka's plane. And so he needed to stop her body from going somewhere. And, you know, I suppose time was of the essence. I don't know. There's reasons you could say, but like, uh, but I can, I do see your point. Like, I mean, it could have been done differently. I guess like it just doesn't it like, it, it doesn't feel like a huge, it doesn't feel like a huge flaw to me. It feels like, well, they could have imagined no, it differently. You know what I mean? But like, it's a, it's a missed opportunity. Cause I think I'll boil it down to this. Like what would two AI fighting really look like? Does it need to be two actual physical bodies punching each other? I, I think that could have been something that if they wanted to take this idea of AI and conflicts and such further, they could have really experimented and gone hog wild with that. And I think that would have been really, not only visually cool in its own way, but I think that that would have also been like, you know, a real expansion on the idea of what it means to have AI like in conflict with each other rather than just, hey, I mean, again, to go back to Terminator, like, you know, obviously they couldn't fight each other, at least, at least in the law, but like it's two robots punching each other. What if we take it a step further? What if AI can actually fight each other in other ways than they punch each other until one mm-hmm. shuts down? Yeah, that's it's although, interesting. Although I, I guess it's like I, I just keep coming back to this man that like if you told if they totally disregard their bodies, they will just seem so other, and that will that would just undercut the message so much. Hmm. I will, however, point out one thing that I think is really, really cool about the fight between uh, Beth and Vivi. Um, so Vivi wins by headbutting Beth Headbutt at the of end. But the thing is, uh, it's established yes. all the way through the episode to that point that AIs communicate their intentions by tapping their heads against each other. So that Beautiful. is an amazing way to fit yep. a headbutt in. Fantastic. It feels like uh, I. This is my intention, like, you know, take it to the yep. extreme. It's great. Speaking of which, Momoka also, like, before it's even revealed that that's the way they communicate, Momoka taps red to Vivi's mm-hmm. head as well, like, when they're backstage. So even before that's something that's relevant to the audience, they're still established world. Like, that's consistent world building. I like that a lot. Yeah, that rules. So, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to play down the fights as being bad. I just wish that they weren't so, for lack of a better phrase, conventional. Because I think you could be doing... And this ties into my overall th- point of this show could be punching harder, in my opinion. Like, it could be more mm. out there with its concepts rather than feeling restrained in some respects. Oh, but I love the restraint. I mean, I just think it it's so much better for the... If, if you want to tell a different kind of story with a different message, go, go for it. But, like, I mean, I think having, like, you know, super fights in a digital dream world, like, just really cuts the legs off of your message, like these are human beings um it, it runs counter to it anyway like it would it, mm. it would be that message would not hit as hard as it does when you have these like embodied intelligences that are living and and you know not breathing of course maybe but like uh i don't know i don't know the the biology of the ais uh but like they're existing and cohabitating with us in 
just about every real way. There's of course some differences, but like they just seem so much like humans. And I just think that works so like so well for what it's trying to do that to, to do the different thing would just make it a less effective show. It would blunt the message for me. Fair enough. Right. Um, do you have another Sarkin point? I actually don't. I, I think I think that I have said, I've gone over all my big picture things. I mean, I have a lot of little different notes and everything like that, but um, I have I have one more, which is just more of a collection of small things mm-hmm. that I liked. Um, I got that too. So, <laughs> so the first thing I will mention is I really like the fact that Vivi says like her plan is to get on the main stage, mm-hmm. but to put it another way is she not already there in a sense she's the protagonist of this like decades long spanning story that puts her front and center in saving the world Mm -hmm. from like robot armageddon yeah i i think that's kind of like a great um a great way of showing that um a a great way of contrasting like what her objectives versus what she really where she really is around and it keeps her grounded as well you know like she doesn't have like any ambition to become like robot jesus or whatever, you know. <laughs> she still she just wants to sing, she just wants to sing on the main stage and that's and that's a great that's a great element mm. um the other thing as well i'll note is um there's a moment when moica's plane blows up and it's raining and this is something they did in diner zenon with uh um what was her name again don't look at me <laughs> why can very I bad the, the girl the i'm terrible with names as everyone knows the, the girl with the the girl basically yeah like, you know, she's got a tear that runs down the air thing when she says, like, she's got a problem. Similar thing with Vivi, like, the rain, um, like, cries, like, mm-hmm. you know, the tear comes down there. That's great. Um, Rackham mentions in chat that you guys enjoy the smaller scene. I like the fact that also to show, like, something traveling through time is music in of itself, because the song God. is repeated numerous times. That's a great way of, like, like, Vivi's effects, like, she doesn't even realize it, but it seems to be, like, passing along to other people. Um, it's not just like she's not just affecting things at the moment, but also her effects have like tangible consequences that travel along through time and through people, through culture. Again, Macross. Yeah, Macross. I said that I didn't say I didn't, I, I didn't throw out Bingo first. Uh, those little guys, by the way, in in the Bracken mentions, they're the near automata little robots, uh-huh. just basically with treads instead of legs. Yeah, they are, and that scene to me feels like the show saying. Um, that Vivi has developed the, their subconsciousness there um, because instinctively without, I think even knowing why she's doing it, she just abruptly turns on her heel and leaves the room because the show is so it's, it's, it's overwhelming that surprise party and song. It was overwhelming for me, very emotional. And then, you know, she had to collect herself before going back in. And then also... They're building a crash for children and she's going to destroy I know. it. Well, I mean, and also, like, in terms of, like, the subconsciousness, uh, when when they shut down M, uh, I can't remember his number, 2500? M, they call him. Like, M. it shows, like, he has dreams of what the future will be like. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, they just evaporate because he's turned off. And that's, um, I'm telling you, man, fucking it's human. Good. It's God like, damn it's like, it! Again, near it's it's the near mm-hmm. stuff. Like, and you know what? Like, I'm not even gonna I'm not gonna say that it's a rip off. Like, I because I don't believe that. I I think it wears its, inf- its more modern influences on its sleeve. This show, 
But I'm okay with that, really, to be quite honest. Yeah. Because um, it's consistent, at least, with what's, what it brings to this original. So it isn't like, you know, relying on um, this stuff that very clearly is from St. Nier as, like, you know, something to lean on. No, it's just, it's a, it's a homage, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, the other things that I wanted to mention, just a small little bits here and there. Um, God, what was it? There was some, there was something else that popped into my brain a moment ago that's just completely vacated it. It's just like, ah. Uh, um, I like the fact that Vivi actually has proper musical numbers for the OP. Oh man, it's so good. Um, they, go, <laughs> they get, they get, they get increasingly more complicated as time goes by. That's nice. I like that. Um, God, what was the other Vivi's thing? hair, so good. Um, God. Oh, actually, yeah, that was sorry. No, that was it in a sense. Like, I like that Vivi has many different appearances, but I will give this show credit. None of them, like, it be to me. It feels like if you're creating a show about an android who's also a lady, it would be too easy to inf- like sexualize her, mm-hmm. put too much fan service in. There's a little bit of it here and there, but it's very, very minor. It's very brief, and they keep it like saying they, they like it. I think that she's an awesome character. Like, she looks cool. Like, all of her outfits are great. Is there fan um, service? They keep varying up. Her- uh, I think the scene of her leaning over that guy like was pretty evident, but I think that's I don't even very very that. mild though. <laughs> mild, mild. Yeah. It's mild. Like it, it, it is the uh, is the Nando's lemon uh, flavor. You know, like is the is the one out of five on the uh, on the chili scale. Right. You know, yeah. there's there's it's there. I think very mildly, but it is so mild as to barely basically be unnoticeable, and it didn't bother me. Um, if anything, as I say, like I think to myself that I, they seem to treat her in the same way that Basso treats the major in Ghost yeah. in the Shell, like where she's where he's strip she's stripping down afterwards, and even though she is a robot, like you know he still doesn't look because it's you know senses like staring into someone's soul, someone's price like exposing themselves, like I, which is also the best scene in that film, by the way. Just want to point that out. Um, I'll, I'm sure we could disagree about that, but I think that's the best scene in the movie by far. Um, but yeah, I will also note that the world design looks great. I like the fact that there's this unified like AI that operates like Vivi's like you know room, like you know that's very sassy and chat talks back. It's like, what do you mean? I've I've already cleaned like you know for <laughs> viruses and stuff. Stop, <laughs> stop giving me yeah. Hey, you listen. I'm sorry. I had to get out of the way. <laughs> no, they're great. You can't you you can't have Navi without having the hey listen thing in there. <laughs> um, hey, listen. Ah, uh, that's right. Hey, listen. <laughs> you've got five new messages. Um. Yeah, I, I mean the visual design of the island, great. Uh, generally speaking, everything in this show, like the, it looks fantastic. Except for the cars, um, the cars I, look like dog shit. The, <laughs> oh, the, the cars are like they were made by Tesla. They're very bad, but I'm sure they'll get fixed in post again. I think the fight will get touched up too. They, 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 are, yeah, they, they clearly were undercooked as far as CG goes. Like, or maybe that was the point. Like, you know, they're just shitty Tesla cars, as far as I'm concerned. They've got RGBs in them. That's it. <laughs> and I think great. I sometimes, like whenever they they go to these like really highly detailed shots of Vivi's face, and the sort of there's like yeah, a, there's something about the shading that's slightly it's, off. It feels a little uncanny valley-ish. Like the there's so much detail in the eyes and the lips that like it just it it, it always like is like what just odd. But like then usually when it I, I like most of the shots because they have less detail uh but she's still a hot robot mama i mean i love the like they don't need to sexualize her for her to be sexy because she is great oh she's like, yeah she's hot she's got the, I'm not gonna lie, the hair, she's hot. when she has the hair pulled back and then the one side in the front is down and the glasses like business vivi it's great she's great Oh, that reminds me, actually. One other thing I liked as well is, and I don't know if this was, again, by intent or not, but there's a lot of gestures that you'd think she wouldn't need to do as an android. 
Uh, not least of which being, I mean, she wears glasses for disguise, I suppose. But the other thing is, like, you know, tapping her ear, like, when she's getting communication. Mm-hmm. Why do that? But they're, they're all in there. Like, it makes her feel more human, like, the little things that we would mm-hmm. do. Like, if I get a, you know, if I got a phone call on the headset, I'd be, like, tapping it. But she's not wearing one, yeah. obviously. It's just mm, uh, radio. So... Yeah, so they do they do little things like that, and even little things like the guy in the car, like the the professor guy. Uh, it, the car warns him that he's going over the speed right. limit, and he's just like, "Shut yeah. up, shut uh-huh. up, <laughs> ignore that warning." Like little details, like they've clearly put a lot of thought into all of the world building. I think it's great. So yeah, I really like the show visually, and also in terms of its audio, the music is great. Again, very near adjacent, I think, but I'm not complaining because that's a damn fine OST. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna draw inspiration, draw it from something good. Um, yeah, the music is. But otherwise, good. that's about it for my okay. talking points. Really, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm well, done. Let me shout out two things really quickly while you've been talking. I thought of the scene in which uh, episode four is my favorite, by the way, and uh, the scene in which Vivi is um, encouraging Momoka's sister, or she's about to. She's like, they're conferring, and Momoka's sister is like crying because she's upset, and. It starts playing this music that sounds like music from Valhalla, honestly. And fucking Matsumoto flips in, mm. and then Vivi like encourages and like inspires and kind of just gives a pep talk to the sister. And she like you know wipes her nose and toughens up. And uh, Vivi like attaches a new arm. It's just a good shit, man. It's like yeah, we're about to like we're uh, we're we're getting our uh, what's the word fucking in call of duty you have a loadout ready and then they're gonna like uh you know fucking wreck shit uh i loved that scene and then this speaks to some kind of what you were saying and this is a very small moment this speaks to maybe some something you wanted about being imaginative with the action scenes in that scene the first thing that she does after she has the combat program is she takes out three terrorists uh in orange jumpsuits and she kicks off of two, and then she sees one approaching with a knife, and you see briefly from Vivi's point of view, and it shows three possible, in red outlines of the Lady Terrace, three possible paths and courses of action she could take. And then it shows the most probabilistic one, and then Vivi acts on that one, and that's the one she ends up doing. So in that way, I think they do show kind of like, again, it's very brief, but they show like, this is not just a human fighting this is uh this is an ai pumped up with a battle program that can calculate probability of attacks and what? things like that i thought it was a really good touch yeah um although if i want to be really really nitpicky and this applies equally to so many films why is there even a point of view for the robots because they wouldn't need to process it like that it's a u it's a ui mm-hmm. for thing this is needed to be honest <laughs> sure but that's me being nitpicky because it's a it's a film yeah. convention so whatever yeah, it's for us it's fine it's for us it's for us it's fine <laughs> all right then uh well with that i suppose we should move on to racing these episodes um i'm gonna get mine out of the way first i'm gonna say one particular thing which is i'm not going the race i'm gonna give is not going to include episode five why because it's clearly first part of two episodes i don't feel it'd be fair for me to offer a racing that encompasses that because we haven't seen what the outcome of episode six is yet so consider this a racing for episodes one through four even though we have discussed five a little bit um for me, I am going to give Vivi Flora Eyes Song 4.25 uh, theme park holograms. 
out of five. Um, I still really like the show. And I think that overall, I'm going to give it more credit because I'm probably just being like, you know, well, it's not what I wanted. And I, you know what? Like, and that's my, you know, I mean, it's like when we covered Akadama Drive, you know, we, we approached it on its own terms and that's what made that show really great. And so I need probably to, to cut it a little bit of slack. But I do still think that there are ways in which it could have gone even further than it currently is. Because clearly this show is not short of imagination. I mean, just to put the set pieces in order here, we have the murder of an assemblyman, the colony drop of a uh, of a space hotel. We have AI Island. And that's what we've just seen thus far. Who knows what mm-hmm. comes next? Oh, uh, also loving the visual image of the Tower of Babel, by the way, that they're building for the AI. I'm like, yeah, I see your imagery there. I know what you're talking about. That was that was actually one part of the show that I would, that I thought would, might be a little uh, that they didn't need. That that might have been a little too much layering on of the of, of the stuff. Like they're, they're gonna they're gonna be in that tower for the, the final tower. Episodes, you don't need the I'm... tower as a barometer. <laughs> don't just, I mean, they're, it's I very mean, video gamey. <laughs> It's going to be the final set piece, I assure you. Also, the tower was in uh, near as well, mm. so there you go. Um, anyway, anyway, um, but overall, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to more of it. I'm glad it exists. Mm-hmm. We don't get anime like this, both in terms of being sci-fi in the way that this is sci-fi, and also just for original concepts, generally speaking, at all anymore. I thought we were basically done with them for a while. I'm glad this show's been made. Uh, I'm glad it's as ambitious as it is. I'm glad it looks as good as it is. I I just think to myself, it could have gone that bit further. It could have pushed the envelope out a little bit more. It could have been truly imaginative, like in terms of how the AIs interact, like hmm. and fight. And I'm still gonna hold it to the fact that I wish that there was the stuff with Toke. I'm not gonna I'm gonna die on that hill, man. I'm gonna die on it. Well, yeah. Because... We'll see if it changes your mind going forward on that. Yeah, it could very well be. I mean, I think we might in episode six finally get um, Hugo's backstory because now he's stuck with Vivi on this island. They're not going yeah. anywhere anytime soon. She'll probably end up having to protect him from the uh, inhabitants of the island more than likely. That'd be my guess because they're going to want him dead. A second marriage takes place, surprisingly. <laughs> Hugo and Vivi. Can you imagine? Can you? Can you? Can you imagine if it if it got to the end of the show? Uh, or rather the end like let's say episode nine and Hugo is like you know laid up in bed he's 102 years old or something like that he's got tubes in him and all that and Vivi just comes in and he goes fuck you Vivi <laughs> he's still angry all yes. the way through he never gets over it and he just expires he and he, me again. Like, she starts singing <laughs> she starts singing at him and he's just like why won't I die yeah I mean, if the show took that funny, like where it gets progressively less and less dialogue, and it's just the end, he's just like, no. <laughs> Why does she torment me? I'd be, I'd be totally okay. That'd be quite he funny. Looks, okay, so he looks like I feel like the next jump forward in time has got to be his last appearance because he's like pushing fifty, right? I mean, how long? Like, he can't live for a hundred years. I mean, I guess, I don't know, maybe the tech, maybe they're like, you know, I'm a head floating in a jar like in Futurama or some shit. Who who knows? But I don't know. Big, big boss lived until he was like 75 and he was still the greatest soldier ever. Anime doesn't give a shit for age, really. You could be you could be like Heiachi Mishima, you know, from Tekken. Dude's, dude's like in his 90s and he's still punching Mountain yeah. Star for something like I that. I mean, to be fair, you know, just exceptions exist in the real world. Like, uh... 
I just listened to a podcast uh, with Noam Chomsky giving an interview, and he's fucking sharp as attack, and he's 92, and he's like vigorously debating, you know, politics. So, yeah, it's possible. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I'm really, really impressed with this show otherwise. Uh, give me more. Um, please don't fuck up the rest yeah. of it. Uh, please don't have Matsumoto suddenly turn out to have been working for a surreptitious end. No. Like, let's actually have a, you know, a conflict between the ethical uh, perspectives and viewpoints that you propose there. I think that's a great idea. Um, please deliver on all the good shit and uh, go a little further. Like, you're that close to getting the plus on the end of your A, Vivi. That's basically what I'm going to say. Yeah, it's true. I mean, this it's just like... There's a, I can't quite articulate. There's a, there's a thing here that I want to express about like the, the ethical quandaries, and that it's like. I think it's that in a time in a in a universe where time travel is possible, like that makes consequentialism and ethics like a real science almost that you could do. You know what I mean? And like, we could sort of, they're sort of showing it as a test case whether or not it works because it's not. You know, uh, you don't have to, I guess maybe you could argue like if you're a super big utilitarian, like, oh, deontology is outmoded because we can measure consequences like pretty easily and we can go back in time and like kind of tweak it or whatever. But anyway, this is more rambling. Uh, how do I rate the show? Uh, I am going to give it 4.5 uh, cubes that can fly uh, that aren't just cubes out of five. Um I think apart from a few visual elements and uh, the tower, <laughs> uh, which is not a big deal to me, I think by and large, I, the show is really doing everything right. Um, it, I, I do think that um, I don't, for some reason I'm thinking about Girls Last Tour and it's pushing some of the same buttons as that show did. But I think that this show is going to if it stays on the trajectory it, it is, it might feel like I might feel warmer towards it because I feel warmer towards Vivi as a character than the cast of uh, Girls Last Tour. You know, they're different shows, you know, not to like compare them directly too, too much, but, uh, but I, they do feel similar to me in the respect of like, I don't know that the, there's there are these science fiction things with big ideas that are really fun to think about and kind of chew on. But yeah, I just, I find myself very quickly getting attached to, um, to the characters in this universe, um, more so than the other. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I mean, there's, there's so much here and, uh, I'm really curious to see where it goes and, uh, bring on more Vivi. Thank you. Uh, kind of money lovers. Uh, for you know, for for voting for this show and for supporting it, indeed. Thank you very much. Right, um, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Then, in that case, uh, we'll be back next time with the next block of episodes because Vivi is a thirteen episode show, so we're going to be doing blocks of four episodes next time around. Cool. Um, but yeah, thank you very much to our patrons for supporting us both financially and just otherwise wanting to you know help us have our platform. I really, really appreciate. It. I'm quite honored that you're willing to you know 
let us have our have our pays out there you feel that they're worth your time in yeah. such a way thank you so much for that um to those of you who might be listening to on free swear that equally applies to you know to be honest like thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast yes. i hope you found it informative if you have and you think yourself hey i want to support them might not want to drop a bit of money there way time to tighten all that just give us a like and subscribe on whatever service you find this on it can be on spotify it can be on apple music you name it uh, drop us a five star you know fill out click those buttons like you know <laughs> we're all in a big skinner box of life you can force us to pull up a couple of levers for us can't you why, why the hell not why the hell not uh... um but otherwise uh from myself and doc uh take care everyone we'll be back uh next i think it's gonna be two three weeks from now for the next baby but otherwise we're gonna be covering uh boss of tears Hamazaki for the five dollar oh patrons uh, and of course more diner zenon coming yeah. up as well um yeah and uh otherwise thank you very much everyone take care stay safe and as we have to say on this podcast it brace you everyone to the ends of the universe good night bring back the brothers oh, 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 oh.